baby It's going down, no ifs, ands, or maybes You better be able to take it on the chin Yeah, yeah, who's gonna win? You better bring your back Mike Tice, quite nice on fight night And just know this Nobody do it quite like we do it on fight night Fight night, fight night, fight night, fight night, fight night, fight night, fight night. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Atheist Roundtable. And uh, we have another edition of UDC Ultimate Debate Championship. Uh, and uh, it's going to be awesome. The champs in here. Godless Engineer. Absolutely. And uh, Zach from Inherent uh, Apologetics. And the topic of the night is, does God exist? So, uh, it's your boy Oz. I'm here, and I got a special uh, host here with me, Skids the Clown. How are you? I am doing amazing. Thanks for having me on tonight. Awesome. Not a problem. Not a problem. And uh, this will be uh, this will be great. And, and the good thing is, uh, uh, Godless Engineer and Zach, uh, we've had them on several times for debates. Uh, it's they're, they're they're going to be it's going to be a productive conversation. There's not going to be the you know back and forth and trying to uh, straw man each other and you know all all that bullshit. Exactly. Yeah, this is my first time back since the uh, actual tournament where uh, Godless won the belt. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him come out here and and defend his his championship and and uh, just put on a good show for everybody. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And then uh, before we uh, bring everybody on here, we do have uh, a special uh, guest. Um, most channels call it a mod. We do call it a referee here um, with the UDC, but uh, Shane the Skeptic joining us to uh, to make sure uh, um, you know, it doesn't go off the rails or we're not talking over or past each other or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't foresee that being an issue, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> uh, but before we do that, uh, Skids, you have a, a not um, not this week, but the following week, you have your uh, premiere and debut uh, show coming up uh, here at uh, the Atheist Network group you want to talk about that for a second absolutely so i'm really excited about it we're working hard on a show called faith not included uh what this is it's kind of a comedy sketch thing where we're in this episode we're debunking uh not to give too much away but the idea of young earth creationism so we're going to have some great guests. Um, we're going to have some hopefully really good comedy to go along with it. And I'm just hoping everybody has a great time with it. So it's going to premiere on May 13th. So looking forward to it. I hope everybody comes and joins in on the fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, if you haven't, uh, yep, uh, the Bryce is right. Had their first uh, episode here this last Tuesday. You can go check that out. Uh, but let's uh, not say more. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. Um, awesome first show. Uh, but uh, let's uh, let's get the guys on here. Let's let's get on. What's up, fellas? How's it going? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? The <laughs> champs in here. <laughs> the, oh shit! <laughs> That's right. I was hoping you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, well, uh, um, all of you guys have uh, also been in, um, uh, on the Atheist Roundtable, so uh, so thank you, but welcome back. Uh, good to see you guys again, and uh, let's uh, get the introductions out of the way here, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll let the action uh, begin. So we'll let the, uh, uh, the um, what do they call it, in 
uh, the challenger in, in, in WWF, the challenger, uh, Zach from Inher uh, Apologetics. Uh, we'll give you the floor first, man. Tell everybody uh, where they can find you, anything you're, you got coming up. Yeah. Um, thanks for so much for having me, Oz. Looking forward to this debate. My name is Zach. I have a YouTube channel podcast called Adhering Apologetics. Um, looks a lot like philosophical issues, especially like from, from the perspective of Christian worldview. Um, so I talk with like philosophers, scientists, theologians, apologists about all big questions um, related to like philosophy of religion and all those big things. So it's, it's a lot of fun. So you can check out the YouTube channel or podcast and you can see a lot of interviews with a lot of people a lot smarter than me. And we talk about all kinds of things. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And, um, are you a rapper? A what? A rapper. A rapper? I mean, I wish I was, but no, I'm not a rapper. You, you said all that really fast, so I was just wondering. <laughs> I talk fast, so <laughs> you could have been in for a little bit of a ride. We'll, we'll yeah, he, he would he would have one up on Twista for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I about, threw, I about just threw a beat up for him let him go. Uh, and uh, uh, next, the UDC tournament champion, the one and only godless engineer. What you got going on, my man? Good to see you. Hi. Well, uh, let's see. Tomorrow night, I'm actually hosting the line where anybody that wants to call in and give me shit can. Uh, I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. Monday, I've got a uh, video that's going to be coming out where I'm responding to a Catholic friar who has an open letter to atheists. And then on Wednesday, we have another video going out where a guy says that atheism shouldn't exist. So we got a lot of stuff coming up on the channel as well as our uh, Bible podcast and, um, you know, probably some clips from various call-in shows that I've done. So, uh, yeah, it, it's always a full week over there on the GE channel, which is Godless Engineer here on YouTube or any other social media platform, except for Facebook. Somebody had already taken the Godless Engineer name, and so it's Godless Engineering on Facebook. But everybody, everywhere else, it's Godless Engineer if you want to look me up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then uh, he does have an app, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up in between rounds and uh, uh, so you guys can see it on the screen. But uh, it's called Crestus. And if you haven't downloaded it, the fuck are you waiting for? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> go download it. Um, <laughs> uh, then last but not least, our guest uh, referee uh, for uh, for this event, uh, Shane the Skeptic. Uh, if you want to tell everybody where to find you, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll get this thing going. Yep, you look up Shane the Skeptic on YouTube or on Facebook, you'll find me. Um, my YouTube channel has counter-apologetics, debunking, critical thinking, discussion, stuff like that. Um, I recently started adding to my Facebook our, uh, my Facebook page sort of deductive arguments or like, you know, quick breakdowns and pictures of like, here are the tactics of presuppositional apologists and uh, stuff like that. So uh, if you're interested in debating or just learning more about critical thinking, look me up on Facebook or YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, for everybody tuning in, uh, I'll give you the, uh, the structure and then we'll, uh, uh, we'll do it. So it'll be 10 minute opens, uh, 10 minute, uh, cross-examination, 30 minute open conversation, and then, um, 10 minute, uh, closing, uh, closing arguments. And then, uh, if we have time, we'll do, do a little Q, Q to the A, uh, at the end. So, uh, guys, uh, looking forward to it. Uh, keep it friendly, but, uh, I don't mind a little spicy sometimes. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, well, uh, I'll get uh, my ugly face off here and get us uh, kids off here and you guys can uh, do the damn thing. All right, awesome. Um, can you guys pull my screen up? Um, I share my screen drive a little bit for the slideshow. Splendid. Um, are we going to start with, like whenever? Are we just getting into this? Yeah, just jump in. I got the clock. All righty. Sounds good. 
Okay, so I'll start. Uh, thank you so much uh, to the Atheist Roundtable for hosting this debate. John agreeing to do this should be a lot of fun. Um, and thanks to Kyle Vomar, Tim Howard, uh, Jono, everyone else to kind of help me bouncing ideas off has gotten preparation of this debate. So let's get into it. Does God exist? Um, if I can switch my slides, we'll get it going. Um, what do I mean by God? So I think if you push me further, I'd say that God is a perfect being, a maximally great being, but my definition for this debate is a necessary mind that created the universe. Um, here's what the basically the basic overview of why I think theism is simpler than the hypothesis of hard atheism, um, the claim that there is no God, and like what the foundations would like result in in that. Um, so stage one is hopefully we can all agree that there's some sort of necessary fact grounding reality. This can be your, your quantum realm, your energy, matter, whatever. Um, I'd say it's a mind. And then stage two is I'm going to say that a mind-like foundation, a theistic explanation, God, um, explain the data better than an indifferent material foundation with things like in in design, arbitrary limits, morality and reason, the intuitiveness of theism, and mental states. So stage one, there is a necessary fact. So this is just a basic contingency argument developed by Alexander Proust, Blackwell Companion of Natural Theology is a great place to go. Um, every contingent fact has an explanation. This is the principle of sufficient reason, which says um, that things that could have been otherwise, like me and this table and this chair, um, have explanations. Um, so it's a very established principle, I think, in philosophy, where you say every contingent fact has an explanation. Um, so I have an explanation from my parents. This table has an explanation from the factory, um, like that. Um, there'd be a contingent fact that includes all other contingent facts. So let's say that there's a contingent fact of me talking to this computer right now, um, seeing these people on the screen. So there's a multiple contingent facts here. We have my existence, which is dependent on my parents, uh, the computer, which is dependent on the Apple factory, and things along the like. I think we can also form a, a big conjunctive contingent fact, the BCCF, which is a contingent fact that contains all contingent facts. Think that all things that could have been otherwise. Um, you can say this is like everything that would exist in maybe like the universe. Um, so every there's a big, a big conjunctive contingent fact. And there'd be an explanation of this fact, because contingent facts have explanations. is backed by the first premise. So there'd be an explanation of this entire fact where we have all of contingencies. And um, this fact would involve a necessary fact. This is something that couldn't have been otherwise. It exists because it had to. And it'd be responsible for things like the universe, you and me. Um, and it, as an atheist, I hope this is a place where we can build bridges because you could say, hey, this is maybe like the quantum scalar vacuum field or matter energy. Um, something like this, like Graham Oppie, greatest atheist philosopher alive, would agree up to four and say, yeah, I agree there's a necessary fact. And that would be the initial state of the universe. Um, and this necessary being is God is what I'm going to defend for the next eight minutes. So stage two is five reasons to think that this necessary fact is a mind. First, theism explains design. A difference does not. Premise one, if God exists, design aligned for body moral agents would be expected. This is defended because a perfect being would want to share his love. I see no reason why a God wouldn't allow, want to like have other creatures to share communion with him, but the foundation is different. There is no reason to expect a way a world that is ordered in a way to allow for embodied moral agents. Um, there's many different ways that the universe could have gone, where maybe no life exists or very primitive life that can't like make rational moral decisions. Embodied moral agents exist. That's you and me. Um, therefore, God probably exists. This is just like a Bayesian inductive argument saying the probability of, of fine-tuning is higher on theism than uh, like a naturalist atheism. Um, so it seems like this is evidence in favor of theism. And there's examples of fine-tuning, like we talk about like early universe conditions of with like the initial entropy of the universe with Roger Penrose, um, like gravity, things like that. And there's also like intuitive arguments we can make where like if the personal mind, if, if a personal mind is a necessary fact an intelligent universe design universe would be expected um but given indifference there's no reason to think that the universe would appear to be designed for bodied moral agents and also have some objections so if you want to pause and get through some of the slides as we progress feel free to pause um and catch up i'm not gonna be able to get through everything here um second reason to think that the foundation is in mind indifference probably poses brute arbitrary limits whereas theism not um so premise one the necessary fact does not depend on any further explanation for its existence this is enhanced to be necessary so whether it's the quantum vacuum or matter energy things like that um, these things are not going to have I'm sorry. Um, the necessary fact doesn't have a further explanation for its existence. It exists because it had to. There is no further um, 
progression on the chain of explanation. Whereas arbitrary limits probably do have further explanations. Arbitrary limits are things that are quantities of things that could have been different. Um, this can apply to like atoms, particles, energy, other material objects. For example, if we're going to say the necessary fact is something that's like material, we could ask, well, maybe why is there 500 particles instead of 501 or 499? It seems like this cries out for a further explanation. Um, therefore, the necessary fact is probably something without arbitrary limits because we have all, if we have an, a picture of the foundation with limits and whereas like a refined notional mind would not have these arbitrary limits. So it seems at least in that respect, the theistic explanation of the mind being foundational without these arbitrary limits would be a simpler hypothesis because I don't have to add these brute arbitrary limits. Um, Josh Reese. Josh Rasmussen and how reason can lead to God says all limits alike have an outside explanation upon which they depend, yet the basic features of the foundation, by contrast, lack an outside explanation. Therefore, the basic features of the foundation have no limits. Um, the third argument is the arguments through moral knowledge and reason. Um, an argument for reason, necessary fact is either a mind or it's not a mind. The law of excluded middle. If the foundation is not a mind, it's unlikely that reason would emerge. Reason exists, therefore, the necessary fact is probably a mind. And by reason, I mean the power to think, understand, and make judgment. Um, so if hard atheism is true, there is no God, the foundation is something that's probably material. Your decision to believe in God or not, oh, wait, hey. Zach, you cut out for a second. Could you uh, kind of repeat what you said, maybe like uh, the last sentence or two? Sure. So you, you saw like one through three in the argument, one through four in the argument? Um, okay. Just like, the, yeah, the last sentence you said or something like that kind of cut out. Okay, my apologies. Um, so reason is the power to think, understand, and make judgments. So if hard atheism is true and the foundation is something materialistic, um, your decision to believe in God or not ultimately isn't based on your own power to make judgments, but rather the fundamental laws got, got governing the universe. So you could say like, well, my beliefs are based off of like maybe like my brain. What, what determines your brain? Well, you're going to have something further like the laws of physics. Um, sorry, my slides went off. I was like, funky for a second. Um, an argument for moral knowledge. If evolutionary naturalism is true, moral knowledge is probably a product of our evolutionary history. Um, if the necessary fact is in mind, it could provide a rational, a reliable way for us to have moral knowledge through creating rational features. My fault. My fault. You're Continue. Good. You're good. So I'm good to go. Okay. So premise yeah. three, um, moral knowledge exists. This is the ability to say, hey, we can maybe know what's right and wrong and rationally deduce this. Um, therefore, the necessary fact is probably a mind. So for example, 40% of sexual intercourse among ducks is forced, which is probably a product of their evolutionary history. So my question then for John would be, is it possible that we would evolve in a way where something like uh, forced sexual intercourse is an acceptable behavior? Because it seems like if moral knowledge is the product of our evolutionary history, then it seems like that's totally a possible scenario. So I was just talking with an atheist on TikTok and he was um, kind of coming to that same exact scenario. But if there's a fact in mind, we could rationally kind of decide these moral truths and not decide, but to understand them. Here's a meme because I realized I had it was going to talk really fast and it's going to take a while. Um, so philosophy is great. Um, fourth, um, the existence of God is intuitively obvious to many people. Um, it seems intuitive to most people that God exists. Not all people. I grant that not everyone thinks it's intuitive, but most people. Um, and there's no good reason to think that God is non-existent or non-present. Therefore, God probably exists. So a couple questions here. Is it intuitive to most people? Well, I have a couple studies here you can look at where it shows that it's natural for most humans to believe in some sort of God. Um, and even like professional scientists from like Harvard, MIT, Yale, et cetera, have this same like intuition. Um, so why should we trust intuition? I think that's the good question here. Well, we have many beliefs that we hold to, such as like the reliability of our cognitive faculties, the external world, the existence of other minds, which can't be proven to be true. But since we hold a seem, since they seem to be true and there's no defeaters, it seems rational to conclude that it's probably the case. I can't prove to you that other minds exist, but it seems rational given what I know. Um, there's no good defeaters for this proposition. Finally, the existence of the mental points to a mental foundation. So if, if the necessary fact is a mind, the existence of other minds would be likely. Um, there's like the whole argument from material causality from Philippe Leon 
own. Well, if there's minds, it seems like there's no problem if the, the existence of minds would be best explained by a foundational mind. Um, but if the natural fact is something material, the existence of genuine mental properties is unlikely. I'm talking about mental properties that don't just reduce to physical properties. Um, genuine mental properties exist. Therefore, the necessary fact is probably a mind. Another Bayesian argument here. Um, I have a couple objections here. It's really small text, but it's like, doesn't consciousness just emerge from the brain? Well, I'd say that an emergent mind is, seems pretty similar to substance dualism. And the physicalist must show why the evidence supports their theory and not something like panpsychism or idealism with regards to the mind. So there's a lot of times we'll hear like, oh, well, there's the brain and mind correlation, which is fine. Um, but if you look at something like panpsychism, where um, there's atheists, like say like uh, David Chalmers, who would be a panpsychist, um, we have consciousness that kind of like just Im fundamentally embedded into reality as itself. So I need not, I'd be curious with John, if he is a physicalist, why he thinks that the evidence supports physical physicalism and not panpsychism. Um, so why I think genuine mental properties exist? Well, we can't, we, we can locate physical events. We can't locate another person's consciousness. Consciousness is irreducible, not able to be quantified. Mental states have intentionality. You're able to introspect on your own existence. Physical states can't do this. Uh, I quoted a study here with split brain studies because I, I see this a lot where it's like split brain studies debunk on the mind. Uh, it's very controversial. It seems like in neuroscience, you can just kind of use whatever you want to try to support your con conclusions. And I have a little bit on the Libet experiments and Libet had saw no contradiction between his experience and his experiments and free will and part to the ability to veto. But what best the data. So we're coming um, to the end here. What best explains the reality? We must ask, does the reality look like it came from a mental, a mind foundation or a non-mental foundation? A mental foundation would explain fine-tuning, contingent facts, moral knowledge, reason, and intuitive belief in theism, mental states, and pose no arbitrary limits. Whereas the hard atheistic hypothesis with some sort of material foundation is going to not have this happen. Theism can unify all these data points by pointing to a necessary mind, whereas the atheist is probably going to have to appeal to independent brute facts. And then we got to prefer an explanation that can make unrelated phenomena related. That's why we have um, quantum gravity. We have classical mechanics and quantum mechanics, and they seem to be contradictory. We don't know what's going on. So we say, hey, we got this quantum gravity idea, um, which would kind of unify these two theories and make physics more coherent as a whole. Um, John will probably have to show why my reasons fail or why it's more probable to think the foundation is not a mind. Uh, and the lastly, theism is not an alternative, but it's a rival hypothesis. To say theism is likely to be true you need to provide another theory and i understand that john isn't saying that god does not exist so i'm not asking him to prove that um that'd be silly and i don't think Thea should do that um my main point great quote from trent dower to close this off um the standard model of physics posits seven 16 fundamental particles that fit into three categories some theists think that the simplicity of a theistic universe should be assessed similarly these postulates one brute fact which you could say is a perfect mind and the reset and the and the and the follows that injunction with necessary truths about value. Barethesian's fact is the existence of a person with two properties, knowledge and power, held in the simplest possible way, zero limitation. Naturalism lacks this kind of explanatory simplicity systematically. Um, um, there will be quite a number of brute facts, the existence of contingent beings, the existence of the number of laws, and the many particular parameters of those laws, and so on. Count out the number of brute facts and naturalism on the, by the same message, the same method used earlier will be difficult, but it seems that that inevitably it postulates more than one brute fact existence with only two properties held in the simplest ways. So my conclusion here is that theism has more explanatory power and less fundamental commitments. So thank you. Okay. That, um, if I was him, I would say that you would probably be the most challenging Christian uh, opponent I have had in a debate. That was an amazing opening statement. Um, <laughs> do you repeat nice. just that last part that you said so I could remember for myself? Yeah, so my conclusion is theism has more explanatory power with less fundamental commitments. Okay, theism has uh, more explanatory power with less fundamental commitments. Okay. Um, all right, Godless, you ready? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure Zach actually breathed in that presentation, but <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he. My dad texted me. He was like, "Slow down."
He just took <laughs> one long breath right before he did that opening statement. He just blew yep. right through it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All, All right. right. Uh, well, if uh, I do have a presentation myself, but I'm just going to put it on uh, my, my own cam. So I, I don't know. Would it be okay to just give me the full screen? Awesome. All right. Let's get down into the nitty gritty of this and ask the question of, does God exist? Um, get my notes pulled up here real quick. Uh, so <clears throat> first I want to thank everybody, uh, everyone for being here today to take part in this debate. And I'm going to be presenting my argument for why God is insufficient as the best explanation for our reality. <clears throat> So my arguments rely on the prior probability of any one religion being the correct version of theism, uh, the insufficient nature of theism's explanations for events in reality, and the bad arguments used to argue for the existence of God. Uh, so first I want to lay out the prior probability that any one definition of God or theistic belief is the correct one. Currently, there are 4,200 religions in existence today, with more than, uh, with many more that have existed in the past. All these past religions have been proven to be false. We know that Zeus doesn't throw lightning bolts. We know a rainbow-colored snake hasn't vomited out Australian aboriginals. Uh, we know that Uranus didn't impregnate Gaia and give birth to Titans. These are beliefs of past religions. At the time, they were considered to be representations of reality. This is the fate of all religious ideas. Even in Christianity, we have obsolete ideas. The creation of the earth in Genesis is not representative of reality. The earth and the, the diversity of life that we find on earth today was not created 6,000 years ago. Even ideas like God mandating uh, the taking of slaves um, has changed uh, since its conception. There are numerous ways that we know specific definitions of God, like the Abrahamic God, isn't reality. We know the Earth is 4.54 4 billion years old. We know the universe is at least 13.5 billion years old. We know that Moses didn't write the Pentateuch. The prior probability of, of an idea that doesn't match what we experience in reality being true is essentially 0%. Every idea that is true should match what we find in reality. The likelihood of any one of these religious ideas being correct, being the correct religious idea, is vanishingly small. However, they can all be wrong. Next, theism has insufficient explanations for uh, events that happen in reality. Ultimately, the only explanation that theism can provide is God. The God answer doesn't tell us anything meaningful about events that occur in reality. Attributing some event to God only succeeds at stopping people from critically thinking about why or how some event happened. The more specific definitions of God do not provide more information. They only exacerbate the issue. How do you know that a particular event was caused by that particular definition of God? Another problem is that these specific definitions of God can't all be correct, but they can all be wrong. Put plain and simple, there is no connection between this reality and anything supernatural. In order for you to attribute some event to God, you must first prove that this God can even affect our reality. God is not really an explanation for anything.
every supernatural event that has supposedly happened in the past has always been proven to be a natural event later. Take lightning, for example. The ancient Greeks thought that Zeus wielded lightning as a weapon. Every place struck by lightning was considered sacred. Muslims have also attributed lightning to their god. Jeremiah 51.16 claims that God controls lightning. All of these supernatural ideas can be and are false. We know that lightning is caused by large collections of positively and negatively charged particles interacting with each other. This normally occurs in clouds, but also can happen between the clouds and the ground. This process is dictated by the physics of the natural world. We have no need for a supernatural explanation when we have a natural one. Again, the only explanation theistic ideas can give us is God. And now to get to the arguments for God's existence. And th this was prepared uh, separate from, uh, obviously, the opening statement that was read here tonight. We'll get into that a little bit more. These are some of the most common arguments for God that I've run into. They are by no means a complete list of arguments. And I'm really, really excited to get into the uh, discussion over the, the many arguments that Zach has provided tonight. <clears throat> Uh, so there have been several arguments for the existence of God. The cosmological argument suggests that there is a transcendent, uh, transcendent first cause of this universe, and that cause is God. This argument makes a leap in logic from what caused the inflation of the universe to God. The bigger leap in logic occurs when it is used to suggest a specific definition of God. I agree that something caused the inflation of the universe, but you don't have the evidence to say that cause was God. You must first prove that natural events need supernatural intervention in order to happen. Next, the teleological argument uh, is an argument from design. It postulates that if something looks if something looks designed, then it must be designed. Everything that was designed has a creator. Therefore, the universe has a creator since it looks designed. Just because you think the universe looks designed doesn't mean that it is designed. What we would, what would be the criteria for determining designed and undesigned objects? We have natural explanations for how natural objects come into existence without the need of a supernatural uh, intervention. And if we have a natural explanation, then we don't need a supernatural one. The moral argument is likewise insufficient. The moral argument speculates that God is needed for morality to be absolute or objective. If there is no absolute or objective morality, then everything is just an opinion. Since murder is absolutely wrong, then God must be the source of this knowledge. Only an absolute transcendent being can provide this basis. But this doesn't make sense with what we experience in reality. If God has done this, then we should expect his moral code to remain absolute across time. Even now, our moral foundations change depending on what society we live in. We would also need to more specifically define this deity in order to argue for their supposed moral foundation. As an example, let's take a look at Christianity. We don't see an immutable moral foundation in Christianity. In fact, Christianity's moral foundation changes depending on time and place. In Numbers 31, 17 to 18, God commands his chosen people to abduct young girls after murdering their entire family, including all the young boys and babies. 
If you transpose that into the present day, these would be horrible and abhorrent war crimes. But it's okay for them to do that because God told them to do it. If this isn't considered good or okay to do now, why did that deity command it? Considering most, if not all, religions of the past, why would their respective deities require them to do any of the things that humanity has done? If this moral code is not immutable, then what explains our changing moral foundation? Since our common moral foundation seems to change with the social norms of society, it seems like we are the ones that dictate what our moral foundation is. If we are the ones dictating what we see as morally right, wrong, and neutral, then we would expect a changing landscape of morality. That's exactly what we find in religious communities. We see religious people with differing opinions on what their absolute moral code is. Morality is an emergent property of a complex central nervous system. That's why we find primitive moral foundations in other forms of life in the animal kingdom. It's why our notion of right and wrong varies depending on the time and place that we exist. This provides an actual explanation for why morality exists as we experience it. Could there be some absolute moral foundation that exists? Sure, there could be. Due to the human condition and how we experience our reality, we would never know if we attain such an immutable set of moral laws. So to summarize my case, Basically, I don't think a belief in a deity is warranted due to the lack of insufficient evidence to support such a belief. The prior probability of any religious faith being correct is vanishingly small. The explanations that theism provides are insufficient because they do not explain anything about our reality. Finally, all of the arguments for the existence of God fall short of showing that a God most likely exists. There are plenty of more arguments for the existence of God, uh, which we will probably get into in the discussion period. All right. Well, that, that'll be it for my opening statement, which I think I'm coming in a few minutes under. So that's always good. Yep. Good job. <laughs> that was also a really good opening statement. Made a lot of really good points that I was hoping I'd see addressed. All right, so I want to hear Zach in a rap battle with Buster Rhymes. That would be amazing. Holy shit. How does he breathe? I think if this competition was judged based on word count, we've <laughs> already got a winner. There is no way GE can catch up to the amount of words that Zach said in that 10-minute period. Not yeah. possible. Yeah, actually um, – when I say this, I mean very amateur, but um, I love the freestyle. I love hip-hop. I'm a hip-hop head, and I, I was more mesmerized by that, to, to be honest. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, both did a great job, uh, and uh, that's the, uh, uh, the field outstage opening arguments and everything. Uh, any takeaways from that for, uh, for you there, Skids? Um, both presentations were really strong. Um, they had visuals, so I could actually follow along and, and read and, and learn something. So um, I think they're both off to a great start. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, I was actually, I had, uh, opened up uh, Fruity Loops Studio and I was, was making a beat for, for Zach as it goes for when we get into uh, the closing statement that we can wrap to the beat. So, all right, uh, for everybody watching, uh, we have 
uh, the next round, uh, which is uh, the cross-examination. Uh, so, uh, gentlemen, just remember, uh, it'll be um, Zach will go first. It'll be Zach asking the questions for his 10 minutes, and then GE, uh, the, the second 10 minutes will be will be uh, uh, his, and you, you're just answering the questions. So, uh, opening, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, cross-examination, 10 minutes. Let's do it, do it. Up, John. I won't talk this fast this time. Okay. I have to say that transition thing with the guy getting punched, he looks so bored of getting punched in that thing. Like next time <laughs> it gets shown, just watch it. He's just sitting there like, I'm gonna get punched. I'm punched. <laughs> Good stuff. Anyways, I'm here to answer questions. So what questions do you got for me there, Zach? Let's do it. So this is 10 minutes of me asking questions for John, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. All right. So I figured we could just kind of go through your presentation and then you'll probably go through mine. Um, so your first point was like the prior probability of theism. And you talked about like the many different gods kind of like ruling against evidence for um, like theism. I would agree with you in terms of like specific religions that it would like reduce the prior probability. But why do you think against like the general theism, uh, a necessary mind that created the universe? Why do you think different religions counts against the prior probability of just theism, a mind creating the universe being true? Well, because any time we've ever tried to describe what this mind might be or describe this mind in any other way other than, hey, there's a there's a floating mind out there in the universe that, you know, I guess created the universe or something like that. Like any time you go any more specific than that, then uh, I, I mean, it, it just falls apart. Like like no no other human description of this supposed mind out there has ever actually been representative of reality. Now, with you being a Christian, I know that you would disagree with that, but um, uh, from my point of view, every other description of God other than the ambiguous kind of deity that just exists out there beyond our, I guess, uh, beyond our reach or comprehension that doesn't actually, you know, uh, uh, affect things in reality, um, I would be agnostic on that God. I don't know whether or not that God exists, but I mm. would say that the probability of us being able to ever describe that God or ever actually know that he exists is vanishingly small to the point of negligible. Okay. So in quantum theory, there's about like 10 different interpretations of how, like, how does the observer and like the collapse of the wave function and things like that play out. Um, and we don't really know like what the correct interpretation of quantum mechanics is, but no one doubts that quantum mechanics is a real thing because there's all of these different interpretations. So my question for you is why should we doubt that like theism is a, like, why would this cast out for theism if there's just these diff different interpretations of how this mind, man of who this mind that created the universe is? Well, because of the fact that, you know, everything that we've observed in reality is because of natural, like, explanation, like, mm -hmm. natural processes that explain things. So, I mean, the 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 fact that, and this kind of goes into the prior probability again, uh, the fact that everything ends up resolving to a natural process that has no need for some kind of supernatural uh, uh, either mind or creator or anything like that in order to make those things happen, then um, I don't see any reason to believe in it. But like for quantum mechanics, while we do, while it is an emerging field and we do have a lot of like hypotheses surrounding it, we do know some very basic things about 
quantum theory that we have evidence for. So, I mean, I would say that quantum theory has much more evidence than any definition of God or any idea of God, including the general idea of God. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, and I would obviously disagree because I think there's lots of evidence for God, but we can save that for later. Um, right. The supernatural natural distinction is really interesting to me because like, as I was listening to some of your videos, I was really curious about this. I'm really looking forward to asking you this. Um, but because I, I think by your definition, I might be a naturalist. So how do you define the supernatural versus natural? What's that distinction to you? Well, I mean, the supernatural would be something that I guess exists outside of nature but can, uh, I guess, affect things within nature. And so what we would need as far as proving whether or not a mind or a god or deity, whatever you want to call it, exists outside of reality in general, you would have to find some kind of connection between the natural world and this supernatural realm that everybody that, that uh, believes in a god um, you know, things exist. But the problem is, though, at least from my point of view, is that we don't have any evidence to suggest that these supernatural events ever happen or that anything from outside of reality can affect us within reality. So it, it kind of seems like, to me at least, there's no point in believing in this connection if there's no evidence to suggest a connection. Okay, okay. can I interject really quickly and ask a question? Um, are both of you arguing based off of the premise that if there's a God, it's a supernatural being, or is there room for the potential of there being a God that exists, but as part of the natural world? I think it just depends on how you define the supernatural natural distinction. Cause if you say okay. that, like what's natural is everything that exists in, in reality, I'd be a naturalist. But if you're going to well, say like disembodied said, minds or. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, Godless. Is that what you, is that what you were saying? Well, I mean, typically, well, like, every definition of this ambiguous God, just a basic theistic God, is that it, it you know, it created the natural world. And so right. I don't see how, like, it could create the natural world, but also exist inside the natural world. Right. I think no, I was actually um, referring to his, how he was, uh, it seemed like he understood you to be defining naturalism as everything that exists in reality. But it, it seems like if that's not really what you're saying, you're you're saying naturalism is more... Um, what we know of, like natural elements, principles, relations. But, um, okay, I just wanted to make sure because uh, that you weren't defining supernatural as being not well, real. Yeah, so so if I can, I guess what I would say is natural is anything that exists within our universe or, or a universe in general. Okay. I just okay. Want to Am I going to keep that. going? Okay. Yep, keep going. Okay. Um, so like when I think I'll just leave like my thoughts on the supernatural natural and we can, can move on here. Um, but like, I think about like the natural supernatural is like, just imagine like this big blob of everything. Like if you read how reason can lead to God by Josh Rasmussen, the best introductory book into like the theistic belief, um, we can explain everything about that big blob of everything that exists. Like you, me, tables, chairs, all this stuff within that blob of reality. That is everything that exists. Um, I would say that the um, a mind is foundational. And by that, if that's your definition, then I'd say I'm a naturalist. Cause I think that the foundation of this, everything is a mind. Um, but we can, you can press me on that if you want when it's your turn. Um, so we talked about, I guess we talked about the insufficient explanation thing because um, the supernatural natural distinction, I just, I think most of the time it's just kind of garbage. Sorry. Um, Cause I don't really understand what it means, um, but we can just move on from that. Um, the insufficient explanations here. Um, so what do you think about my arguments, Jod? Are, are all my arguments saying, I don't know, therefore like God did it. Or, I, I don't, I don't think that's what you said, but it sounded like something similar to that. Like, is that like what you got from my arguments? 
Well, uh, just to be completely fair here, I guess in in uh, in either my cross examination or the open discussion, we'll probably have to really drill a bit more into it because I'm from the south. I don't speak like <laughs> you know high speed train speeds. Um, <laughs> Uh, because everything that I got from you was like um, God is a necessary fact. Uh, the, uh, there were some arguments from design in there. Um, uh, there's uh, morality, uh, something about a perfect being sharing love, and we would expect that. Um, reason exists, therefore God exists. Um, and uh, just uh, a, a lot of general, uh, it seemed to me, and this is in no way meant to be uh, like a, a, an insult to you, hey, you're but good. It, 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 it seems to me like a lot of your arguments were just sort of uh, basic arguments that you sort of dressed up with complicated language. And so I just kind of wrote down as I could, but as soon as I got done writing down one thing, you know, I, you had already moved on to the next yeah. argument. So it was kind of hard mm -hmm. for me to keep up. Um, like mm -hmm. another thing I got is God is obvious. So he exists, um, which is, a, a, I know it's a, these are really diluted, but like I said, I was trying to write really fast. Um, mm -hmm. So in my opinion, all the arguments that you presented uh, were well thought out arguments, um, but the, it, like they're just, they just seemed really dressed up to me, uh, really dressed up basic arguments that everybody uses for God's existence. Okay. Um, well, I'd encourage like anyone listening. I don't think you, I mean, it's fine. I talked really fast, but I don't think you really represented my arguments well, which I, I'm not blaming you because I talked really fast. Um, but I encourage you guys to go back and pause. And you, to, you can see the slides and see what my arguments are. Um, but we can just move on from that for now. Um, let's talk about... Okay. The, the, the first assert, first like kind of claim I make is there's some sort of like necessary fact. Um, you could call it like the first cause that grounds reality. And I like, I'm fine with it being like for this part, for that part of the argument, like a quantum state or energy matter or something like that. Do you think you tend to agree that there's some sort of necessary fact? Um, and if not, what's kind of like your idea? Well, I mean, I, I think that it, it, can, can you explain to me what you mean by necessary fact? Because I've hmm. never really understood the theist argument over necessary fact. I was just going to ask you both mm -hmm. to define that term. So great, great. Okay. Call, call on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Thanks, John. Um, so for further reading, How Reason Can Lead to God by Josh Rasmussen, I'll keep plugging that book the entire time. But necessary fact is something that could have been other, couldn't have been otherwise. It's the, it's right. the, like the first cause. It's the necessary thing. It's the end of the causal explanation. Um, so it's something that has necessary existence. It's not influenced by anything outside of itself for its existence. Um, so maybe that helps. Okay. Well, so um, I, I have a tough time differentiating between a deity figure and just the very fabric of reality mm -hmm. in that respect. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, you, you would call it a mind or uh, a deity or whatever, and I would just call it the fabric of reality. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but I, I still don't see a way to differentiate between those two. Yeah, no, that's fine. And I think that's a good place where you can build a bridge um, and say, well, yeah, there's something necessary. And you obviously don't think it's a mind. And that's for that part of the argument, that's fine. Um, and I had, that's why I had all the rest of the stuff I said was like, why I think it's a mind versus something that's like, uh, like quantum or material or something like that. Um, my last question for you is, um, you talked about the moral argument and moral disagreement a lot. We also have this thing um, called scientific disagreement. And there's a lot of different scientists that believe a lot of different things. And there's all kinds of disagreement. And like the scientific beliefs have shifted over time. A long time ago, a lot of people thought the earth was 6,000 years old. No, not many people do that anymore. Um, so there's all this scientific disagreement. And we're changing our beliefs and things like that. Um, 
So does that mean then because we can't trust our moral, um, there's no like moral realism or anything like that because there's all these differing beliefs? Can we say there's should we say there's no scientific realism because there's all these different scientific beliefs? Um, well, no. So science attempts to describe the reality that we're presented with, with the evidence and the information that we have on hand. If we gather more information then that uh, perspective change, that, that view changes. So science by, uh, by nature changes as we gain more information. So okay. uh, with more, the, the same thing can be said about our moral knowledge. Moral knowledge changes as society changes. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I see both of them existing on the same thing. Uh, do I think that there's absolute scientific facts? There probably are. Whether or not we'll actually be able to know that we've attained these uh, very uh, absolute scientific facts, I don't think that we'll ever be able to know that. But in the same way, I don't think that we'll ever be able to know what we've attained yeah. absolute moral knowledge. All right. And it looks okay. like our time's yeah. up. So we'll be transitioning to the next cross-examination. All right. So here we go. That's now good. it's my turn. <laughs> Real big um, John. Yeah. So um, how I know in the in the opening uh, argument, which maybe you can clarify because, you know, obviously <laughs> I missed a lot. Um, but I know at one point you talked about basically the teleological argument, the argument from design, how this universe seems designed. I remember you talking about. Uh, like the the fine tuning of the universe, I, I'm kind of curious. How do you determine between designed things and undesigned things? Yeah, this is a really good question because um, I saw it in your opening. So my argument from design basically says um, that design allowing for embodied moral agents is more expected under theism than indifference. So like some sort of like materialistic, naturalistic hypothesis. So from there, I said, well, under the materialistic, like naturalistic hypothesis, um, there are a couple of reasons why I think it'd be less likely. One was just like the intuitive uh, intuitiveness of it, like given like the hypothesis of indifference at the foundation, there's just many different ways the universe could have gone um, with it and don't involve like life and things. And I gave like some of the scientific constants, which seem to support fine tuning, like um, the initial entropy of the universe and like the gravitational constant and things like that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, but my, my, my problem comes in, I think with point two, um, mm -hmm. in that the, the, the idea that, you know, a, a, a mind is more likely to be the, the, the source of this or that, um, the, the fine tuning and the design of this universe, uh, is is more likely on a, a mind existing than not existing. What what I see when I look at this is a 50-50 shot of whether or not this universe would develop the way that it did, or not exactly 50-50, but you get what I'm saying. Like this universe could exist or it could not exist. It does exist, but we don't know if other universes with other constants exist. How do you, how, how, how why do you think that a mind creating this universe rules out the possibility of all of these other universes existing or universes prior to our universe existing. How, how does a, a mind uh, explain better like our universe existing when we don't have all of the information? Sure. Um, well, obviously like all arguments and data are subject to change, like pending further discovery. Um, but like with like the like multiple universe hypothesis, I think there's a couple things. Well, like one, it's like, well, first there's no evidence of this. Well, you know, and that's fine. Well, maybe things can change. Um, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, 
our universe is still like 100% life permitting overall. But then I think it also k- just kicks the problem up another level um, where we'd say like, okay, well, why is there um, governing laws or whatnot that would allow for this multiverse um, instead of just like one universe? So it seems like to me almost like if we're going to pose like, um, I don't think you're posing an infinite regress, but just like some sort of like multiverse, we're going to like, it's going to kick the problem of design up a level. And like my, my argument is just saying that like design aligned for more uh, embodied moral agents is more likely under theism than like atheistic naturalism or something. Well, would you agree that like the water cycle is a completely natural thing that doesn't require any supernatural intervention? Well, I mean, if you, if you define, it depends on what you define, sorry, uh, define as supernatural, but I mean, in terms of like, there's explanations. Yeah. There's explanations for the water cycle that don't involve like a mind causing it to happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I guess my question is, is that if we if there are several processes in the natural world that doesn't require a mind in order for it to happen, then why should we think that any natural process requires a mind for it to occur? So, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, so I think it'd be helpful, like at the beginning of the argument or th- my presentation, I talked about like there being a necessary fact and like via the law of the law of non the law of the non excluded middle, it's either a mind or not a mind. Um, and then I think like there's all these good reasons, like fine tuning limits, um, reason, moral knowledge, et cetera, where it's a mind. Um, and it seems like, for example, like it's interesting because like we have minds um, to some capacity. You could say it's emergent property of the brain. Um, so I don't really see the issue with saying that there's like a mind that's fundamental. Um, I hopefully didn't dodge your question, but I kind of forgot your question. Um, so maybe feel free to push back or clarify because I kind of had 18 different thoughts just happened as you were talking. So, yeah. I could tell. Um, so, um, well, I, I mean, basically I just, I, I, I was kind of curious what, what exactly connects a mind to the natural world. And it kind of feels a bit like a presuppositional oh, argument. Like yeah. I presuppose that a God exists. Therefore that is why the water cycle happens. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm for one thing, not a presuppositional. I mean, I don't like that at all. Um, yeah. Um, but like, why I think that like, they're like, why am I positing this mind when like, uh, when like material explanation can do all the work? That's a good question. One of the things I kind of wonder, I think it was Berkeley, um, who was, he's a, he's a philosopher from, I think like the 18th century. And he talks about this idea of like, how do we know there's a mind independent reality at all? Um, you see, we have this material world and there's causes and effects, at least we think there are, but then he's like, okay, well, couldn't I just be wrong about the material world or something like that? And it's like, well, yes, I could be in the matrix. Could I be wrong about my own existence? Um, no, I, th- I think therefore I am. It seems like a pretty fundamental thing. So I'd, I'd honestly argue that like mind is prior to matter in terms of like levels of reality. Cause it seems like from our own experience, um, our own minds come before our knowledge of the material world. I couldn't be wrong about my own existence, but I could be wrong in that this camera, this computer in front of me actually doesn't um, exist in terms of like material sense. Um, so my question would kind of be like, well, how do we know that there's a material world existing independently of any minds so yeah okay <clears throat> let's move to since we're talking about minds let's move to your uh reason exists therefore god uh would that be a a, a pretty basic representation of that argument um i don't think so i mean i can read out the whole argument if you want uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, we, we do have five minutes, but you can read it in probably about it's 10. Pretty, it's pretty short. Um, so I'm just pointing up here. So it says the necessary fact is either a mind or not a mind. Law of not excluded middle. If the foundation is not a mind, it's unlikely that reason would emerge. Reason exists. Therefore, the, na- the necessary fact is probably a mind. So another like Bayesian argument that reason is more likely under theism than naturalism. 
but the the problem is that that I have with that argument is that uh, you know we we our, our minds uh, use natural processes in order to operate. There's there's nothing inside of our mind that exists supernaturally or uh, anything like that. So the fact that our brains are these biochemical machines, it seems to me like just like the water cycle, our brains don't need any kind of, of special explanation in order to explain uh, why they work, how they work, or how they arose naturally. We know exactly how brains developed over the course of time, and it all happened very naturally. So I guess I'm just wondering what to you seems to require, like in our brain chemistry or how our brain works, what to mm -hmm. you requires this mind independent of our real uh, of our natural world yeah um well i would say with like the mind independent of the natural world i'd say we'd also have to justify how there could be a material world independent of minds if we're just going to kind of go that route um but we can go into that further if you want um i would say well like i have no problem with reason being emergent to some degree like it obviously seems like if we take like an evolutionary theory it would be beneficial to kind of like make right choices and judgments and things like that and to like eat the non-poisonous fruit or something like that like that's fine i'd agree with that um but what i think the problem is is when we get into like making decisions and like in terms of like complex uh, things so, like i my argument was like if like a hard atheism is true um your decision to not believe in god wasn't based on your own power to rationally decide it but it was based on um the more fundamental laws governing the universe if because we'd probably live in like a deterministic universe so that's my argument um from like reason is like well or my like my choices and like believing in God isn't based on um, outside influences determining it. It's based on my own capacity. But like under like an, an atheistic naturalism, I don't think you can have that because we're going to live in a deterministic universe where the, like the laws of nature are more fundamental. And that's the reason you don't believe in God. Um, so hopefully that helps. Well, I mean, what's your evidence that we don't live in a deterministic universe? Like we don't, we don't live in a universe that had like, like that, isn't controlled by a, a mind that everything's just operating naturally. And, you know, it, it's been said, I can't remember who said it, but it's been said that if we uh, could know the positions and, and, and velocity of every single uh, atom in the universe, then we could predict what will happen in the future. I think so that's Daniel I, Bennett. Yeah. Oh, is it? Uh, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's fine. Uh, but in any case, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, applying that massive amount of knowledge that, you know, we could potentially tell the future. So I'm just kind of curious what to you seems to indicate that our brains don't operate biomechanically uh, it, without this mind independent thing. Yeah, this, that's a great question. Um, so there's a few things like one like free will just seems intuitively to be true. That doesn't mean it's true, but it just seems intuitively obvious, like in the same way like there's other minds or there's external world and external world. It seems intuitively obvious to me that I have free will. Um, and then there's arguments like we could talk about like the moral consequences of like determinism, where it seems like there's these really bad consequences that seem very unlikely to be true. Um, if we get with regards to like if there isn't free will. Um, and yeah, that's a couple things. And I kind of lost my train of thought when I saw the timer. My brain's kind of scattered yeah. right now. I think my opening statement like depleted my right. lungs or something. So, so. We, we hit our time on that. I want to say really quickly before we transition to the next period, um, my understanding, and we can, we can continue this in the open discussion, is that what Zach's saying is that um, you need some justification for there being matter existing uh, independent of minds. And what uh, you're saying, what Godless Engineer is saying 
is that our minds uh, consist or are, are composed of um, atoms that are in the material world. And uh, that seems to say like, what is, you know, turns the question to what is the justification for there being some uh, supernatural or saying that the mind had to exist prior to the material world. Um, does that seem fair to both of you, what I just said? Um, I'll, I'll go first. Kind of. I was just like that kind of like response was just to um. Well, John's like, well, don't we just know that there's this material world that doesn't need any minds? Well, I was like, okay, well, couldn't we just say that there's just meant this mental world and we don't need anything to explain material? You can explain everything mentally. Um, so that was just in response to like an argument from John. I wouldn't kind of like stamp right. my foot down on that position. Um, so yeah. Okay, but uh, Godless, did uh, my understanding seem to fit your point? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Sorry to push it, everyone. I just wanted to clarify on that. All right. Good. Yeah, uh, Godless Engineer hit the nail on the head. That guy looks yeah, completely just... bored while getting punched in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, now that he's pointed that out, I cannot see that clip the same way. Yeah, it was, it was almost like, oh, God, I was about to go to sleep, man. <laughs> about to go to sleep. No, but uh, again, Zach and uh, Godless Engineer, thank you uh, uh, for that. And uh, I do uh, appreciate and uh, um, got to give you guys respect for the uh, the respect and how you guys are uh, having your debate and your uh, conversations. Thank you for that. What do you think so far, Skids? It's a very, very respectful contest. They're they're definitely giving each other uh, time to speak, which you know goes definitely in favor of Zach since he can get so much thrown in a short time. Um, you know, he's Zach's throwing a lot of punches. It's, it's these quick jabs, but uh, G is kind of just you know waiting for his time and then making great points. Uh, I think they're they're really doing the best they can tonight. Great effort. Great effort. A for effort. Um, and I will let everybody know we, we did. Uh, if you watched the last debate with uh, with Shane and uh, T jump, we started doing something a little different. We're, and we're still uh, figuring out how we're going to do it in the next tournament um, that we're going to have in June. Uh, but uh, right around the end of the um, closing arguments, uh, I will put a link in the uh, in the chat. And that is where all of you get to vote. Um, instead of just being on, uh, on the uh, the hosts to to do that, uh, we want to get the the viewers involved as well. So that link will go out, like I said, uh, as we get closer to the end there. Um, so we'll have some fun, uh, have, have have some fun with that. In the meantime, let's get to it. This is going to be thirty minutes of of open discussion. Let's get it on. That, and I got to tell you, that clip is the exact same. I started um, laughing after like the last segment because I was like, oh my gosh, John's so right. <laughs> I am right. <laughs> Just not about the God stuff, but, but that stuff, yes. <laughs> um. Okay, so I think, um, if you don't mind, I think it'd be interesting to talk about like my last point I made 
which is the idea that like um, theism isn't an alternative. Like it's not like, oh, well, none of these other hypotheses work. So let's just throw God in there. That solves everything. I think of it as like a rival hypothesis where I say that, well, I'm saying there's a mind and it's the best of the different hypotheses we have. Um, so I almost think of this as like we're comparing hypotheses. Um, so I'm curious, kind of like, what's your take on that, John? Well, I, I think that you're just sort of, you know, calling it a mind. Uh, you know, I, I, I realize that things like things looking designed or or uh, the the whole idea of morality, like you would want to give, you know, creatures that you create uh, a moral foundation or something like that. But I really don't see those as like absolute things that you would want to like design as, as a mind. What evidence do you have that these things are what the mind would want to do? Yeah. You that's may a have great covered that in your opening. I'm, I'm sorry if you did. No, that's great. Um, so one thing I said, like, if you press me further in terms of like, what do I believe like specifically regarding God, I'd say like, it's a perfect being, like perfect agent, like perfect moral knowledge, perfect power, things like that. Um, I would say like a perfect being might want to like share his love, allow others like experience the world, things like that. Um, so yeah. And then I think, I think again, like we kind of missed like my main point, which is like, so let's say that, like, if we can agree that there's a necessary fact, which I think we can, and like yours, your idea is something non-mental, um, which is, which is fine for the first part. I'm saying it's mental and here's my reasons to support that it's a mental foundation rather than one of these, rather than one of these other ideas. So I'm just saying that this is the best explanation of the data is a mental foundation. Whereas one of these other alternatives. So, yeah. Well, I think that if, a, if a mind like is in charge of all of this, um, he, he's rather incompetent. Uh, I mean, if you just, if, I mean, just look around at the universe, he's rather, especially if he made this universe to like, uh, to provide, to, to have life, like come into being, he did a really, really bad job designing it. So I, yeah. I guess my, my issue to get, to get to a more d definite question here is, is how do you define like, his nature or this mind's name, not his nature, but this mind's nature, because, you know, you said that, you know, you would think that he would want to share his love or something like that. Mm -hmm. What would be love to this mind out there? Like, what would that even look like to this mind? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I think kind of falling a little bit outside of the debate topic here kind of get into more like um different like models of god and such so, you know, there's like classical theism neoclassical theism panentheism pantheism like all these different models of god you second, are you guys um arguing are you arguing zach for a perfect being or or just for a god like are you i mean you, mm -hmm. yeah i, I mean i used like, to your argument that dependent on perfection and i'm sorry we both started talking at the same time no, you're good. Um, I mean, I did kind of switch a little bit there. I argue just for like for simplicity's sake, a necessary mind that created the universe. But I do think mm -hmm. if we go deeper, I think we'd say that, well, this mind is probably perfect because that's the simplest form of like being and such, I, at least in terms of like looking at like mind models and such like models of God. Um, so yeah, that's okay, kind of where then I'm godless, at. You're, it seems like then your response is you're pressing him on uh, why is there so much imperfection in the design uh designed by uh, a perfect designer that's where you're at right now right okay so, so uh, are you making like are you making like an evidential argument from like evil or hiddenness or something or are you making like a logical argument like i don't really get like what your argument well, here is john or like well, you my, responding my, to one of my arguments 
Well, like my, my argument is uh, like you said that this perfect being would want to share its love with mm -hmm. creatures that it created or whatnot. And I, my mind just goes off and thinks, well, you know, for this transcendent mind that apparently exists, what would love even be? What would love look mm -hmm. like? And if there is this transcendent mind that it is this perfect designer that designed this universe to have life come about, why did he make it? Why did he make it so scarce and so hard for life to come about? Yeah. Because most of this universe is uninhabitable, at least to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, so I, you're making like kind of like the lifeless objection almost to like the fine tuning argument. Well, like, isn't the universe just lifeless? Um, so there's a couple of things I could say in response. One is if you go back to my opening statement, I have like a little brief like blurb there um, with like my like a basic response. Well, it's like, yes, the, the fact that there is the um, the fact that there is these agents on the earth is the first place. Um, there's many other possible configurations of the universe that would have no moral agents of any kind existing in, on any planet. Like we could just have like just atoms or just like quantum phenomena or something like that. No like complex life forms or anything that can like say they can make moral decisions or stuff um, given like the hypothesis of indifference. And there's a really good quote from Richard Swinburne I can read. Uh, wait, no, that doesn't relate to that quite, objection. Sorry, my bad. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my basic response is that, um, yeah, most of the universe is lifeless, but there is life. Like there's, it's 99% like uninhabitable, but it's a hundred percent life permitting. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's life permitting under the right circumstances mm -hmm. and uh, under a more naturalistic point of view, we wouldn't be the only life in the universe. Life definitely has arisen elsewhere in the, in the universe. Uh, we, we, probably not near us, but mm -hmm. um, the, the, the fact that God, uh, this mind made it so, so scarce, uh, I would say is, is kind of uh, telling as far as whether or not a mind would do it. Uh, also, uh, why would a mind use such an imperfect engine like evolution in order to create the mm -hmm. diversity of life that we have here on Earth? Yeah, there's so many good questions you brought up, John. Um, so I appreciate that a lot. Um, so with like the like... Um, I'm just trying to get everything you said in my head here. Um, so with like, first off with the idea of like, well, the universe, um, it seems like there's just like not a lot of life. So it doesn't like, it almost doesn't seem like fine tuned, but like with my, with my response to that, with like the design argument is that, well, there's many possible configurations of the universe where there's just no life at all, where we just have like complex molecules can't form if the constants are differently or like things like that. There's just nothing can, no planets form, things like that. So it seems like in that, sense there would be this evidence for theism because it wouldn't predict that something like that would be the case whereas on the hypothesis of like an indifferent foundation we'd have to grant that that would be like something that's the case and then with like the evolutionary evils that's a really good question um we could do a whole debate on like the problem of evil and evolutionary evil i would encourage everyone if you're curious there's a really good paper if you like google josh rasmussen evolutionary evil pdf there's a really good paper on like why would god use a process like evolution so i do want to say like that would be like a problem of evil argument. So John's gonna have to frame like an evidential, he's either gonna have to frame it as like a logical argument where like evolution and theism are incompatible or an evidential argument where you'd say it's like more likely under atheism than theism and like hard atheism under theism um, in terms of like there being no God because of evolution. So I'd just be curious, like what kind of argument would you say with evolution and evils? Is it like a logical incompatibility or is it like the evolution or evils outweigh the power of like maybe arguments for theism? You kind of cut out there. Could you state that again oh. so everyone can hear you? 
Yeah, sure. So the last point I made with like evolutionary evils is like we can get into the specific theodicies and stuff. Um, yeah. like, there's a lot of interesting theodicies you could talk about, like a knowable natural order. Um, no, it's just your question like that. that cut out. Oh, yeah. I my apologies. I'm curious. Like, is John with evolutionary evil? Is this an evidential argument or is this a logical argument, or am I just totally missing the ballpark here? Because that kind of helps me with like gauging the argument. Well, to say evolutionary evil, I think is in, is putting a lot on what what I said. Uh, okay. I, I said that evolution was an imperfect engine, and <laughs> I don't think that necessarily makes it evil. It just makes it natural. And so the part that I find is incompatible with this perfect mind or some kind of transcendent transcendent. I can never say that word. Transcendent. Transcendent. Whatever. Yeah. You know what it's a weird word. Um. Uh, what, what what is incompatible with it is the fact that evolution is imperfect. Um, the, the fact that, you know, because of evolution, you know, we have things like genetic diseases that happen in all, you know, forms of life here on earth. Um, and there's so many ways for evolution to go wrong. Um, and there's very few ways for evolution to go right. It just kind of seems like, uh, that his mind has made it unnecessarily um, uh, in, insufficient, like the the process of evolution, or any uh, really any process, uh, any natural process that we really know of that that uh, it you know happens naturally, which are all processes. It kind it just kind of seems like if a perfect mind is behind it, or or a mind at all, they did a really poor job of designing it. Sure. Um, so once again, like, I think it'd just be helpful, like, to kind of know, like, if you're making an evidential or logical argument, because I think that matters a lot in this, like, dialectic. Um, but, like, why would God allow evolution? Like, like, why would he use evolution to create when he has all these other, like, alternatives? I'll just totally grant the theory of evolution. Um, like, I just... I mean, I don't know, like in terms, I haven't studied the science, but I'm not like personally like set against evolution. Or anything. Well, okay. Can I, can I give you something more definite? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. So like the process of uh, the copying of a DNA uh, molecule, right? That's mm -hmm. an imperfect process that usually ends up with copy errors or, uh, you know, other, other ways that mutations can be inserted. And, you know, that's, that's one of the driving forces of evolution are these, mm -hmm. you know, copy errors. Uh, but m I guess my question is, is that why, why wouldn't a perfect being make it so that, uh, you know, these copy errors just simply didn't happen? Mm. Yeah, that's great. Um, I appreciate your question. So there's there's a few different responses, and like this Rasmussen paper is great on this. But here's a couple of my responses. One is this idea of just like having a knowable natural order. Like I think there's value in having a natural order where we can go back and discover. Like it's the whole project of science is we can go back and try to understand like how the world worked. And having this knowable natural order allows for predictions. So like a thing like um, evolution would allow for us to be able to un uncover our origins um, in, in like a beautiful way. I think like there's a good quote from Michael Murray which I can read if you want. Um, so I won't read it because it's long, but if we want to, if you want to press me further on this, I'll probably read it. Um, so there's that. And then I think there's things like maybe like the relationship between like God um, or not, between us and like other creatures. Like if we look at like having like a, almost like a tree of life where like in some sense we are related to like every creature and being in the world, like dogs and cats and all that stuff. I think that adds value in terms of like, um, loving these animals and like seeing these things as valuable. Cause like we're in a sense, we're related to them. Um, and there's a, there's all kinds of things we could talk about here. Um, that's a couple of my responses. Well, to like so you. so coming from coming from a software engineer point of view, mm -hmm. if 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 I were to write what we would call the the program of DNA and evolution in general, 
Um, I would think that we would uh, like, I, I would definitely as a designer myself put in blocks for bad mutations or bad copy errors, right? I would definitely only allow mutations that would benefit the species any, uh, like at, at any time that it happened. Okay. But mm -hmm. the problem is, is that it seems like this mind has not done that. And this kind of seems like a very definite uh, place where it shows that this whole mind idea is kind of lacking in the explanatory department. Because if this perfect mind or this, uh, this grand mind that did everything, caused everything to come into existence, set all the properties and everything like that, it would seem to me like he would just do some of the most basic uh, you know, uh, I, I guess programming or creation stuff that you would want to do. I mean, it's almost like Bethesda released a universe and that's the one that we got. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, so there's a few different responses again. So like I'll read, there's a couple questions here that I'll give you. And then I'd, I'd love to get to other arguments too. Cause we only have like 15 minutes left, I think. Um, <laughs> But, uh, so I'll give you the last word. Here's a couple of like a couple responses and questions. Okay. And Can I just to... say one thing before you go forward? Just please hold yeah. the point that you're on because I don't want to make you forget what you were saying. You're good. Um, but am, am I correct in saying so, Zach, it seems like at this point in the debate, what you're arguing is that a perfect, intelligent designer is the best explanation based on the evidence that we have. And then Godless Engineer, um, you're arguing that that is not the best inference. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I would say that his his position lacks explanatory power for, uh, you know, some of the things that he is just uh, sort of uh, what what I what right. I, what comes across as me is basically okay. just as assuming. Okay, so I would I, I would categorize that as uh, it's simply just being uh, he's arguing for it being the best inference, and you're in disagreement that it is uh, the best. All right, good. Just wanted to clarify on that. All right, please go where you were uh, where you were just about to go, Zach. Yeah, sure. So, I, like, I'm arguing that there's a necessary fact, and the best explanation right. of the data is this fact is a mind rather than something like maybe like a quantum vacuum state or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah. So, my two questions for John is like, I think there's value in a natural order, and I think that's like part of the explanation for evolution if we grant the theory. Um, and the questions would become well, one, is there a possible world that would contain the goodness of the sorts um, and, and amounts found in the actual world, and which contains substantially less natural evil than the actual world? Um, so, Michael Murray says this task is hopeless. So, my question for you is, I don't know like how plausible it is for there to be like another natural order that contains these great goods that I'd say we can find in this world. Um, but has like a different, like kind of like result or different process for like creation. Um, so that, that's a little complicated here. Um, but I'll give you the last word on evolutionary evils and stuff. Cause I'd love to talk to you about these other arguments. Well, my, I mean, I would first, uh, you know, want you to define what you mean by good or what would you, what you would mean by evil, because those words are very subjective and they change throughout history. What, you know, uh, what, what seems good to us now isn't necessarily good, you know, way back when. Um, uh, you know, the, the social landscape has changed drastically over, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of years. Ever, ever since we as a social species emerged out of Africa, our, our, our moral foundations, what, what we know of as good, bad, right, wrong, evil, uh, you know, those things have changed. So it kind of depends on what you mean as far as like, uh, you know, genetic diseases and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I would think that a, a mind that 
would create the universe would also be able to do fundamentally basic design things uh, in the natural world. And we just don't see those very basic design concepts emerging in the natural world where they should be if a mind is responsible. Okay. No, I appreciate that. Um, and I, I can send you this paper if you want by Josh Rasmussen. Um, if you want, John, I think it's very profitable with like evolutionary evils. Um, but we obviously can't get into that more for now. Um, I'd love to talk to you about the argument from limits because we haven't addressed this at all on like the cross exams or anything. Um, so do you need me to kind of like go over this argument very briefly again, or do you kind of like have, are you familiar with what I said? Uh, if you want to go over it again, please. Yeah, do. I was going to say that'd probably be best for the audience to go over. Okay, quickly. sure. So, um, premise one is the necessary fact does not depend on anything further for, any further explanation for its existence. Um, premise two then is arbitrary limits probably have a further explanation. And, my, and my, by defining arbitrary limits, I mean like things that are quantities of things that could have been different. So like atoms, part numbers of like atoms, particles, energy, um, other material objects, like the necessary fact, like why would it have 500 particles versus like 501 or 499? So since arbitrary limits probably have a further explanation and necessary fact does not have a further explanation, the necessary fact is probably something without arbitrary limits. So like a mind hypothesis wouldn't have any arbitrary, any of these arbitrary limits. Limits, so it seems like a simpler hypothesis, all things being equal. Um, so I'm just curious what your thoughts are on the limits argument, John. Well, I, I feel like you're assuming arbitrary limits. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I, I mean, you're just assuming things are arbitrary. I, I would, I would hazard to bet that uh, you know your these arbitrary limits that you think are arbitrary actually have natural explanations as to why they exist in that state. Yeah, sure. Um, so what we're talking about is the necessary fact. So the necessary fact doesn't depend on any explanation for its existence. Uh, there's well, no okay. Maybe maybe I can be a bit more direct. Can you can we talk about maybe one particular arbitrary limit that you think is arbitrary? Yeah. So this is like where like the value of like hypothesis comparison comes in because like if you're going to say like maybe it's like the quantum scalar vacuum because I've, I've heard in a lot of like your calling shows like people like be like Kalam where you're like okay first cause to God which is a really good question and they'd be like eh. like other people will be like not really sure what to say. So a quantum scalar vacuum like that that's a hypothesis of okay maybe there's a quantum vacuum that's necessary that's going to pose arbitrary limits, whereas a mind wouldn't. Um, in a quantum vacuum, there's probably going to be a field for all these elementary particles. Um, there's going to be things like electrons, quarks, photons, what, gluons. What's the arbitrary limit in this in this particular example? Um, things like the number of particles, the amount of energy in the vacuum, the laws that govern it, all these things like seemingly could have been different, um, but they're going to have to be like, in a certain way, that's the way they are. Um, so it, well, how, how do you know that there are like, how do you know that those are the limits? Like for instance, of the, uh, the, the, uh, uh vacuum, uh, the, uh, what is it? The, the inflaton, uh, quantum scalar field, mm -hmm. um, that that's proposed, uh, for the inflation of the universe. How do you know that, that like the energy that it released when it fluctuated from the false vacuum state to a true vacuum state, how do you know that that energy is capped out? Like why, why do you think that energy is static? So it's, I'm not saying that it, it's capped out. I'm just saying, so let's say that there's like 38 units of energy in this quantum scalar vacuum and they don't depend on a further explanation for their existence. They're necessary. Um, then I think the question becomes, well, why is there 38? Is it, is it 39? Is it, why isn't it 37? Why isn't it 36? Um, and maybe you could be like Graham Oppie and say, well, that's just the way it is. It's necessary. But then I kind of wonder, well, okay, you're posing this like brute arbitrary limit. Whereas like well, the mind so, hypothesis doesn't have this. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like we're playing a what if game with, uh, you know, something that nobody knows, uh, like, uh, uh, 
like the 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 amount of energy that was uh, produced in the Big Bang. We've got hypotheses about how much it mm-hmm. was or whatever, but we don't really know. So m- maybe um, maybe I can propose something that's a bit more concrete that we can really wrap our minds around. Um, uh, like, would you consider it an arbitrary limit that like H two O has three atoms? Is that an arbitrary limit? If it's if it's contingent fact, no, because it depends on an outside explanation for its existence. If it's the necessary fact, then I would say yes. Um, okay, so like you're saying that the composition of a water molecule is a contingent fact. So I would I would I mean I would say so because it depends on an explanation um, for its existence. Like how did this water molecule come into being? Well, some somehow the hydrogen bonded to the oxygen. Like for example, I have this water bottle in front of me, and there's like maybe like what, like 200 milliliters of water? That's probably way too little. Um, but like, can I finish? Do you mind if I finish, John? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's there's an arbitrary limit, 200 units, but there's an explanation for that. Well, I poured this much water into it, so that's why there's this amount of units of water in my, in my water bottle. But I'm saying with the foundation, it seems like we couldn't have that arbitrary limits because limits depend on further explanations for their existence. So whatever is necessary, whatever's at the foundation, um, it wouldn't be arbitrary limited because it's just like we're posing these limits that would, that shouldn't, that do have further explanations. Um, so I just don't, I just don't see why we have to pose these like brute limits. It, it decreases uh, so, the power probability. Right. Well, so I feel like what this ultimately resolves down to is like whenever I'm in a discussion about the cosmological uh, argument and somebody says, well, God had to be the one to create the universe. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, who created God? Oh, yeah. God doesn't need a creator. So what this ultimately resolves to is a special pleading argument because you're specially pleading for this mind, right? And saying that, well, you know, this, this mind is in the universe, but it also is outside the universe and it doesn't need any kind of explanation for why it's there. Now, the fabric of reality, I would say, I don't know, like, like when it came into existence or how it came into existence or if it's eternal or not. But I would think that, you know, something naturally existing, there's nothing that restricts it from being eternally existing while you are bringing up this mind figure. And if this mind also exists within our universe and outside of our universe, then it would also need this, you know, explanation for its existence. You can't just specially plead away that, Oh, it's just always existing existed it just seems like you're skirting around the uh, the the uh, necessary uh, explanation for why it's even there okay well a couple of things one i'm just following the premises of my argument like if my first two premises of like the proof contingency argument are true um or the first three and the, then the conclusion follows then that's just it's true um but like okay are you familiar with graham oppie's work at all no Okay, well, he's he's a really smart atheist. You might you might benefit a lot from him. But he's this idea of like the initial state hypothesis. So he's going to say, okay, I'll grant that there's a necessary fact. Um, he says, okay, this necessary fact is the initial state of the universe. Whatever that is, it's the initial state, and it's necessary. I wouldn't say that's special pleading because um, I would agree there's some sort of necessary fact, and we can talk about like why I think my necessary my explanation of what the necessary fact is is better. Um, so I don't think atheistic explanations of the necessary factor are special pleading. So I don't really get like where the special pleading accusation is coming. Well, because you're you're specially pleading for this mind that's independent of the universe, but also exists within the universe. I mean, uh, what I'm saying is that the fabric of reality does have an explanation for its origin. I don't know it. We probably will never know it. But 
it eternally existing. There's nothing in nature because it is a natural fact. Uh, nothing in nature limits it to being eternal. But on your side, talking about this mind, you just kind of specially plead for it to be eternal without actually explaining like how it came into existence. Do you think that because my, my assumption is, is that you're saying that this mind is definitely like eternal, didn't need to be created or anything like that, right? Well, I mean, I would say the necessary fact um, is something that couldn't have been otherwise. It's something that doesn't depend on any further explanation for its existence. So that's like where the causal explanation ends is in whatever this necessary fact is. Um, and I do want to say like, again, you kind of brought up this idea of like, well, you're just saying that there's this mind that exists independent of like any material like world or whatnot. I really feel like I could just say the same thing to you, John. I said, well, you're just saying that there's this material world that exists independently of the mind. And we have no experience of that. And even like mind well, seems do. fundamental. How do you know? How, how do I know that, that, that you know, we, that uh, the material world exists absence of all minds? Mm -hmm. uh, well, let's see. Uh, the, the first inkling of life, uh, started like 4.54 billion years ago. Like I said, yeah. in my opening, mm -hmm. and as far as we know, no life existed up until that point. And we know that the inflation of the universe happened at least 13 and a half billion years ago. So it seems to me like for about 9 billion years, uh, as far as we know, there was no mind. Uh, unless you're going to argue that everything was created 6,000 years ago when humans were created. Uh, I, I feel like we have ample evidence to show that this reality, that this universe exists absent a mind. Okay. But couldn't I just say that the necessary fact is a mind and that that's like, and you're just pausing, you're saying all these things about like the age of the earth and such, which I'm fine with. I don't have any problem with the earth being that old. Um, but you, once again, that's not evidence that there's mind in existing independent uh, or matter existing independently of a mind. You're just yeah, saying you scientific see, facts. Well, well, you see, we, we don't have any evidence that suggests that this mind outside of our universe even exists. So you're just sort of arbitrarily creating this mind as the, the as the thing that exists. But I think that what you would need to do is you would need to separate this God from what we understand as the, uh, fabric of real, sorry, not God, but mind, uh, you would have to separate this mind from the, just the very fabric of reality. Otherwise you're just saying that this mind is the fabric of reality. In that case, some of your other arguments kind of, uh, fall by the wayside, like this mind wanting to share its love or this mind wanting to grant us uh, moral knowledge. Um, because as we all know, nature doesn't give a shit about any of us. It doesn't care uh, about it. The universe I think is famously said on the meme doesn't give a shit about you. Um, this is plainly obvious through our experiences. Uh, so I, I think that you're just, I feel like you're just arbitrarily assigning this mind and saying that it's different from the fabric of reality without actually supporting that argument. Okay. Um, John, could you be wrong that you exist? Could you be wrong about your existence? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, I guess. I don't see how that helps us in our conversation. There's, there's a second question here. Okay. So I would say yes. I couldn't be wrong about my own existence. I think therefore I am. Like right now, this scars. I'm very certain about my existence. Could we be in the matrix? Could this material world be an illusion and it's just a projection of something else? How do you know you're not an NPC in another person's game? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the question I'm asking. How do we know that there's a material? How do we know that there's a material world that exists independently of minds? How do we know that we're not just in the matrix? Well, 
this this goes into the solipsism kind of area and i really don't find solipsism all that helpful because regardless of whether or not we are a brain in a vat or an npc in somebody else's uh, you know open world game um we're still presented with the reality that we experience like right now i'm experiencing this live stream and us discussing god whether or not that's absolutely true outside of my experience uh, it 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 does that doesn't really matter because what we are experiencing right now is the thing that matters. So any 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 conversation about solipsism or hard solipsism or anything like that really doesn't advance the conversation. Yeah, no, I agree. Solipsism is not a very attractive view, but I th I think you're missing my point a little bit here. So you were saying, okay, well, we just know that there's this material world that exists independently of mine through so like scientific data and things like that, and I'm saying. We just we we just we need to take a step back for a second because I'm saying well I I think therefore I am I have, it seems just like I can't be wrong of my own existence so it seems to me my mental experience is fundamental like I I can't be wrong about my existence could I be wrong about this material world existing it seems like I could it seems I mean it seems very unlikely but at least it seems like you know I could be in the matrix or like this bed doesn't actually exist as like a material substance like it seems possible but I'm just saying like it seems like mind at least in some sense is prior to matter. Um, because we could be wrong about the material world existing. We couldn't be wrong about our own selves existing. That's my point here. Well, I mean, I, I kind of feel like you could be wrong about your own cells existing. If you are uh, a brain in a vat or anything like that, then you're definitely wrong about having a physical body. Um, mm -hmm. Ex yes, yes, yes. Exactly. John, you're, you're proving my point here. We could be wrong about the physical. Even if we're a brain in the vat, we still exist. It's just not in the way we think we do. So but, it seems like like the mental experiences precede the physical. Well, but but my my point is is that we can only we we can only work with what we experience. So whether or not we're mm -hmm. a brain in a yeah, start with experience, I like that. Start with experience because this is our experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. I can like we should start with experience, our own mental experience. Like I think, therefore, I am right. That's a great place to start. I agree. I totally agree I with you here. I, I don't I, I don't I don't understand how this helps your argument though. It just this just still yeah. seems to me like a kind of a non-starter. Well, I, I was just responding to like you had this you said this like assumption. Well, it's just obvious the material world exists independently of a mind. And I'm saying, well, hold on, we don't know that. We don't know that through our own experience. It seems like we can't be wrong about the no, mental. But, but we, we could do be wrong know that through our own experience. Uh, we have we have things like radiometric dating that allow mm -hmm. us to peer into the past and and know that you know all of this definitely existed absent of a mind. So I mean, uh, I feel like what you're saying here, and I might be wrong. But I feel like what you're saying is we we think and so therefore we are. And because of that, it means that there's definitely a mind that had to have existed, uh, you know, in order for this uh, universe to exist. Um, A little bit like I'm just like, John, once again, I'm just responding to your argument that it's just obvious the material exists independently of a mind. I think through there being a necessary fact and then we get to like things like all these different arguments, there's good reason to think that the necessary fact is a mind. I'm just responding to this idea that, well, it's just obvious the material world exists independently of a mind. And I'm just saying, well, we don't know that through our own experience. It just seems like we're making an assumption here that's ungrounded and it goes against like even like our own experiences. 
Well, I would say that all the evidence that we currently have doesn't suggest that there were any mines in existence prior to life starting on our our planet, which there definitely could have been uh, mines that, that existed in this universe elsewhere, but we don't have evidence of that. So there's no reason to believe that. But uh, uh, I, I just don't see the evidence for just making the assumption that a mine had to have existed. Okay. Um. Well, I guess I can just respond to my closing to that. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate your time, John. It's been a lot of fun. You guys have made my job as moderator very easy. Thank you. I'll, I'll go full <laughs> precept here. Don't worry. <laughs>
Who did they say was going first in the closing? I imagine me because I did the affirmative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hosting this debate, Tart. It's been so much fun. Like, I love these conversations and I appreciate John for agreeing to debate and dealing with me talking a million miles an hour. It's just, it's been so much fun. Um, I really enjoy these conversations and I think it's just about like, even like John's an atheist, I'm a theist and disagree on a lot of things. I think we also agree on a lot of things and I think it's good to come together and seek truth together. Um, and I think there's a lot of beauty in that. Just saying, you know, we, we don't agree, but we can look at this and try to figure this out together. Um, so there's a lot of beauty in that. So I appreciate that. Um, so I'm just going to run through my arguments and then go through John's kind of giving comments on like the dialectic and like what we said and such. So first, um, my first argument was that there's a necessary fact. I think John would agree with that. And like, you know, oh, maybe it's a quantum vacuum or initial state or something like that. And that's fine. You know, and I appreciate, and I think that's making progress saying that, you know, like maybe a theist and an atheist can agree on one thing. Um, that'd be awesome. So I, I think we agree there's necessary facts. The question then is, is this necessary fact in mind? Um, so we talked about the design argument. Um, and it seemed like John's big speaking point, there are a couple of things and it kind of went to this idea. Well, the universe doesn't look designed because we have things like evolutionary evil or like a lifeless universe. And I would say, well, why not encourage people to check out this Josh Rasmussen paper on evolutionary evil? It's so, so good. Um, so there's that, but then I also think that like, Yes, of course, there's like evolution, but you have to establish why this would be evidence against theism um, to some capacity and not just like consistent with like an atheistic naturalism. So that's one thing. Um, and like with like the fine tuning, well, then there's like it seems like under like the the atheistic hypothesis where there's different universes where there's no life at all, which would count. Well, it seems like under the theistic hypothesis, we wouldn't have that. So it seems to grant some evidence to theism. Um, the argument from arbitrary limits. I don't think we made a lot of progress here, but it was really fun to talk about. Um, so like, once again, I just reiterate, like, it seems like, like if we're going to have a materialistic foundation, we're going to have some of these arbitrary limits where it's going to be like, maybe like 300 units of energy exist in this vacuum at this like particular like cubic shape because they had to. Um, there's no further explanation. It's just this way. It wasn't 299. It could have been 301, but it just wasn't. It just, it had to be this way. And all I want to point out is like the theistic hypothesis of a mind doesn't have these arbitrary limits. So it seems like in that capacity, theism is simpler. Um, arguments through reason and moral knowledge. We didn't talk about moral knowledge at all, but I'd be curious, like if you're an atheist, just think about this question. Um, if evolutionary naturalism is true and moral knowledge is just a product of our evolutionary history, is it possible that we evolved in a way that some action like rape would be considered an acceptable activity? Because we see that in ducks. Um, so I'd be curious, like, is that a is there a possible world where because of like moral knowledge being based off evolution, rape is okay? Um, so it's, it's an interesting question. And the argument from reason, like I have no problem with it being evolutionary beneficial for certain things like, um, you know, like not eating poison this mushrooms to be like the right thing but what i do think is the problem for the for the naturalist or for the atheist for the i might be a naturalist by john's definition um but for the atheist is if hard atheism is true your decision to believe in god or not god or just type in that zach is crazy person who talks fast or not was totally determined by a source outside of yourself your choice to do these things wasn't determined by you it was determined by some fundamental law governing yourself your thoughts were determined your actions were determined it seems like under an atheistic naturalistic deterministic universe everything we do is determined so it seems like in that capacity that's a bullet that you're going to have to bite um the intuitiveness of theism we didn't talk about this at all but it'd be really interesting to hear john's um thoughts on it um it wasn't what exactly what john said it'd be it's the idea that theism is intuitive to most people it's intuitive to most people that god exists backed by scientific research demographics like anthropology things like that um and there's no reason that god is non-existent or non-present therefore god probably exists just a bayesian or bayesian argument um and we should trust intuition unless there's good defeaters um so it seems like god probably exists based off of the intuitiveness of theism and then we talked about the argument from consciousness we didn't get into this too much um but i would say like the existence of mental states and like the fundamental 
the existence of mental states is some evidence for theism. And like John talked about like the material world existing independently of the mind. What seems like to me from my own experience, I could not be wrong about my mental experience. No, there's no world where I don't where there's like in terms of contingency necessary. Oh, your your internet cut out for a second. Could you um, oh. say what you said? And to clarify, I, I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing at you, and I feel horrible. For <laughs> it. It's just something you said earlier. But when you brought up ducks, I don't know why. I don't know why that was funny to me. It was like we see that in ducks. I am sorry. I'm not laughing at everything else you're saying. Um, please. You're continue. good. I I appreciate it. Um, so with like I was getting into the argument from consciousness, and I'm saying. We could not be wrong about our own mental states or our own existence. I could not be wrong about my own existence. And it seems like if you're listening to this, you could not be wrong about your mental existence. You could be wrong, though, about the physical world. It seems very unlikely to be true, but you could be in the matrix or a brain in the vat or something like that. So, but it seems like at least in that sense, our own mental um fundamental our, me- our own mental existence is more fundamental than the physical existence. So it seems like to make John's point about like, we it's obvious the physical existence of the mind isn't true from our own experience. Because we can be wrong about the physical world. We wouldn't be wrong about our own mental experience. Um, and then I talked about like what best unifies the data. Remember, theism isn't saying, well, I don't know, throw God as the explanation that's that's a terrible mistreatment of theism that's if you read like alex proust rob coons um any of these philosophers christian philosophers you're not getting that so like i, I highly encourage you how reason can lead to god by jack and great introduction into like the best of theistic philosophy if you want to engage in the best of what theists are saying um so i'm arguing that a theistic explanation could unify things such as like design contingent facts moral knowledge reason intuitiveness of theism and mental states and pose no arbitrary limits theism can get all of these things explained into one fundamental hypothesis a mind where the naturalist is probably have to say okay well it's fine tuning to some degree but it's just necessary that um it had to be the way that it, it was or maybe it's just it was just chance or something like that um and something like maybe moral knowledge or reason maybe we just it's just a brute fact that we can get reason or moral knowledge out of just immaterial impersonal foundation an immaterial impersonal foundation and it's just a brute fact like panpsychism for mental states to exist so it seems like theism provides the best, most unified explanation of the data. And then with John's points, very briefly, the prior probability of theism. Well, I, I agree to him to some capacity if we were arguing well, like this personal experience count as evidence for Christianity. I would say no, because it seems like, you know, there's people that are Muslims that would have personal experiences and things like that. But that doesn't rule out the existence of a mind. You see, these people disagree about the specifics of like what this mind is like. But they're all unified in that there is this mind, this foundational mind. So it seems to me to count as some evidence for theism. Um, the supernatural natural distinction really doesn't make a lot of sense to me, with especially with like no offense to John, like what John was saying. I don't get the supernatural natural distinction. It just it it doesn't add up. I could just say like there's this big blob of everything, and that everything that exists in this big blob of reality is what exists. And if that's what is natural, then I'm a naturalist because I think the foundation is a mind. Um, so there's that. And then I think we covered everything. Um, it's been so much fun. I appreciate John. He's a great guy. I saw they did the like community thing for um, special people with special needs and they raised like $600. That's awesome. So a lot of respect to you there, John. You're a great guy. It's been so much fun. Um, and I've really enjoyed this debate and just seeking truth and exchanging ideas. And there's a quote I'll read from Dostoevsky to close this out from the brothers Karmanov. And in this quote, it says, above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to a point that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him. And so he loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. And now you may read this quote and saying, well, isn't Zach just saying the atheists are just lying to themselves and obviously denying God's existence? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just be have an open mind. 
if you if you're an atheist or a theist, have an open mind. Be willing to be wrong. Keep questioning. Keep examining these things. Life's a beautiful gift, and we have this chance to really think about these deep questions of reality. So don't fall into a tribalism where everything John says is perfect or everything I says is perfect. Challenge both of our ideas. Seek truth, um, and I believe truth will win at the end of the day. And don't be afraid to seek truth, and don't forget to love and just appreciate the beauty of life. And don't have, and never stop asking questions. Question everything. Um, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you. All right. Awesome. Especially the last uh, thing you said. Um, all right. I guess just go ahead with yours. All right. Well, uh, tonight I really appreciate Zach uh, having this discussion with me and everything. I, well, the, the question of whether or not God exists is kind of one of the main themes of my channel. So I'm, I'm really grateful to get this opportunity to uh, have this debate. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't really hear any good evidence that suggests that a mind definitely exists and that it's more likely that it exists. Um, I know well, one of the things that uh, that that uh, Zach mentioned was like uh, this moral foundation or you know, allowing um, organisms to make moral choices and all this other stuff. Uh, to me, when I look at morality or reason or or anything that um, or consciousness, uh, what I see are biomechanical processes uh, that. Uh, biomechanical, biochemical processes that are operating uh, under the laws of physics and chemistry. I don't see the necessary need for a mind outside of everything to exist. Um, while I, we can agree on some kind of fabric of reality that he wants to call a mind, um, in his presentation and his, his opening and, and throughout our discussion, um, he kind of seemed to indicate a few specific definitions about this mind. Like this mind would want to impart his love on organisms that uh, would exist in his universe and all this other stuff, um, or, or that this mind would want to give us uh, a moral sense or give us consciousness and all this other stuff. That, that That's going a bit beyond the general description of a deity and getting into, while still a very... Um, you, you know, still not very specific. It's still more specific than just a general deity uh, sort of figure. Um, when you get into that kind of territory, you you just simply don't have the evidence to suggest that that mind uh, would do that. You would have to know that mind's intent. While those seem like very good qualities to you that you would want to impart on organisms that you create, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that transcendental mind would also want those things. Uh, you would have to first establish that that mind would want to do these things independent of how you view those things. Um, I, I personally would think that if a mind did exist, there would be no reason for it to show any kind of love, especially if we're equating this mind with the very fabric of reality. Um, you know, the, the natural world, the, the, the fabric of reality doesn't really care what happens to us or anything like that. So it kind of seems like if you were to argue for a mind, you would only want to argue for a mind that just simply doesn't care about us whatsoever. Because that actually matches what we experience in reality. 
Um, I've, I found the arguments presented here tonight were very dressed up versions of basic arguments that trace back to like Thomas Aquinas or, uh, you know, other, other older uh, arguments for God. Um, and while they may be dressed up, you know, with maybe uh, uh, more modern um, <clears throat> information concerning them, they still very basically reduce to like the first cause argument um, and other cosmological uh, arguments, the teleological arguments. Um, uh, all of the all of the stuff just kind of resolves down to these very basic arguments for God, and. I don't find them to be all that convincing. Um, I still find that the natural world just, you know, acting the way it always has acted uh, without any kind of indication of a mind or God figure that require that is required for them to operate. Um, this world just operates like it does without the need for any kind of supernatural intervention or with, without a mind intervening in them. Um, it seems to me like all of the evidence points towards like the, the fact that there's no mind that is required for anything in this universe. Um, and, and, and maybe that's, that's me thinking simplistically about it. But um, in, in any case, I would think that you would need to make a solid connection between the natural processes that govern this reality and this mind and and try to try to establish that these natural processes definitely require this mind in order for you to make the argument that this mind is more likely um, to exist than not and i just I, I don't find the arguments presented here tonight accomplish that so I'm sure that I missed a plenty of arguments in this, but I am very interested to see if we've got any questions or I don't know if we're doing a Q&A. Are we doing a Q&A? I'm unaware of that. Okay. Maybe we're so, not doing a Q&A. Maybe but not. But, but regardless, if, if, if anybody wants to uh, send me comments or questions over on my YouTube channel, please do. Or uh, email me at john at godlessengineering.com and uh, you can ask me questions there because I always love fielding these kinds of questions. Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean huh? to interrupt your closing statement. My bad. I apologize. <laughs> Go no, ahead. no, you're fine. Go ahead. I was going to say literally the same thing. Email me at adhereandapologetics at gmail.com. I'd love to answer any of your questions. So I was just copying what John said because it was really good. So, yeah. All right. I guess I guess that'll be it for, for me and my closing statement. Appreciate everybody coming out. And uh, I, I uh, hope you heathens have a lovely Sunday. All right. At least that guy looks entertained. <laughs> <laughs> he's much more energetic than, yes. the, than the other guys. Oh. All right, well, he's, um, he's much more energetic. <laughs> definitely had to, like took drama classes or something because he was milking that up. Uh, I'm putting the link in the chat right now so you can uh, click there, uh, go vote. And uh, since we're uh, since it's put out there, we'll take a few questions. Uh, um, if you guys have questions, we'll go to uh, about 10 after quarter after something like that. And Perfect. Uh, it was hilarious when we did this the first time, the voting system with, with Shane and uh, T jump it tie. We had, we were at a tie for like five minutes. Like every time 
T Jump got a vote, then Shane got a vote, then Shane got a vote, then T Jump. It, it was <laughs> like, okay, of course, the first time we do this, it's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got a question already here. Uh, for Zach, what's the independent reason to think that an embodied mind would want to create anything independent equals not stipulated by your hypotheses or you defining it that way? Mm, that's a great question. So it's like why would God create a universe um, versus like create nothing at all? Um, and part of this is I don't know and I don't have to explain. Like I don't have to explain like, like why God created the universe that he did. But then um, – so that's one route, like the skeptical theist route. But I also think we could go and say, well, if we go further, like I said at the beginning, if you if you press me, I'm going to say that God is perfect. Um, he's a perfect being, uh, the max, a maximally great being. It's described in like an ontological argument or something. Um, so I would say that like a maximally great – great being would have like power rationality love all these things they might want to create beings that can experience um this world and things like that with um this being because it seems like it, that'd be like a pretty beautiful picture um so i hope that helps you cj i appreciate well, your question it, it, if i if i can um how do you know this mind or being would be maximally great and how would you define maximally great well, I'd say it's the simplest hypothesis, and and a maximally great being would possess all things that it's better to have than not to have. How do you know what is better to have and not to have? Well, I mean, so let's just say like we have this conversation, or not this conversation, but I'm talking to you, John, and I'm like, John, you're you're intelligent, you're handsome, you're hideous, you're amazing. Like we have like exactly. You see how you stop right there? You have this like you have this intuition of something that's like you don't want to have this thing. Um, you don't want to be hideous, and you're not hideous at all. I'm just using it for the point um, to say that like it seems like we have this intuition of what's like better to be or better to have than like what's better to not have. Um, so yeah. Well, yeah, but those are all subjective. Is is what I would say uh, to that. Like all all of those things are are subjective things. There's uh, there's nothing like absolute in there. Um, and, and as far as like, what's maximally great, if we just go back a few hundred years, you'll get a totally different idea of what a maximally great being would be. Like, I'm fairly sure that anybody, like any Catholic, uh, in say the 1500s would think that it would be maximally great to kill all the Protestants, right? Like just mm -hmm. Protestantism, just no more, that would be a maximally great being. Um, so I, I think that it's very subjective to claim like what is subjective and what isn't. I think you're a little bit confusing so what that being would do versus not. then who it is. And like this idea is like been around in Christian philosophy, like just philosophy in general, like ontological arguments go back to El Anselm and like the, I think like the sixth century. Um, so this idea hasn't changed really. I mean, the picture of like what would a maximally great being have might be a little bit like, well, I don't know. But like in terms of like these ontological arguments and God being maximally great and having things like self-existence and mind, rationality, these things haven't changed in like 1500 years. So, yeah. All right. So let's get, let's um, get back to the chat room. Let's get back to the chat room. <laughs> uh, uh, so first of all, uh, thank you, uh, Tom's chair. God is a perfect 10. <laughs> how can you debunk that john like like it's game over yeah i definitely <laughs> lost on that argument <laughs> all right where do the other questions go um oh there's a great one and i lost it oh, there it is ge what is the opinion of brocephus of the debate <laughs> you know i was just i was just looking for that motherfucker <laughs> Sorry, but if it looks like I'm 
like jumping around on my chair. There's a fly in my studio that will not stay with okay, me. Okay, listen, what, what I think about this entire debate is that Zach won, obviously, because God definitely <laughs> exists. Also, to correct this guy, my name is Brocephus, B-R-O-C-E-F-U-S. Okay, I've got a shirt. I don't have it on right now. But it spells it out, and obviously, I think God exists. So it really doesn't matter what GE said. I totally believe Zach here. I, I mean, just like Godless Engineer, my brain don't work as fast as Zach as Zach's does. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, I know that he's arguing for a God existing, and that's all I really need. Bye. There, you heard it straight. You heard it straight from the horse's mouth. So I don't know what else you need. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Zach. I, I didn't mean. I didn't mean for that to come off as as harsh no. against you or anything. Yeah, that, that's I honestly, my, that it's a dumb character. I, I've seen <laughs> that in some of your videos. I, I'm like, it made me so curious, like, what's behind the green screen now? Like, I'm just curious, like, about your know, like your setup there. So I, I got that from that segment. So it's yeah. just a wall. A <laughs> 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 right, uh, question for GE: What hypothesis would GE propose? And how does it predict the facts of the world? I feel like this is asking me for like a unified hypothesis of the entire universe. So I feel like this question is a bit undirected because we have multiple hypotheses for a bunch of uh, uh, different things. Um, uh, how does it predict the facts of the world? It would really depend on what subject you're talking about. If we're talking about evolution, um, evolution predicts a lot of facts that we have, like the fact of uh, how diver the diversity of life appeared here on Earth. Or, you know, we've got the hypothesis of abiogenesis that shows how, um, you know, uh, life would have arisen on this planet. Um, and, and we have multiple different. So, I don't know. I feel like without something more specific, and maybe Pontiga's bulldog can give us a bit more specific of a of a of an example here. Maybe I can um, give you it. But I mean, science is not just some monolithic hypothesis. Science is just a way to describe our reality as it exists, and it has multiple different hypotheses as well as facts and um, uh, sci scientific theories to explain reality. So there's, there's not like one unified thing unless you're just talking about science in general, but I wouldn't say that science is a monolith. Okay. Thank you. And, uh, let's see, let's do one more and then uh, I'll pull up the results here. Uh, let's do, uh, here we go. Uh, last one uh, here for Zach. Why are you okay with the answer? Because God, don't you feel shortchanged not being able to search for and find the answers? Yeah, I mean, I think this question assumes that all my arguments are just God of the gaps arguments. Like, they're not. Um, so I'm not satisfied with saying I don't know, therefore God. Like, it, I really hope when you read my arguments, that's not what I said, because that's not what I believe. Um, the, the, the whole idea that, like, all the arguments for God are I don't know, therefore I, I don't know this natural phenomena, therefore God. That's just just dumb like that's not like it, i would challenge you if that's like what you think read how reason can lead to god by josh rasmussen please do because if you haven't read that a book like that i don't really know like 
like where are you getting this picture of like theistic arguments because you just need to read some of these people um so that's i mean and then with like regards to the question um well i think we can question why god exists um there's a really good paper by Jad, chad mcintosh who's a philosopher um who's gonna be on my show in a few weeks about the question of why does god exist and we're gonna talk about like how like people like aquinas and descartes and these people address the question um and then they, like talk about like what chad and i think about like this question of why god exists i'm not afraid to keep asking questions i'll ask why god exists i don't have let's do it uh, so if I can if I can uh, put my two cents in, I, I don't think that that Zach here used sort of a, a God of the gaps argument. I think that Zach was genuinely trying to support his conclusion, saying that it was the most likely explanation for the facts. Well, I didn't find that his argument supported his in conclusion. I don't think that Zach was saying, well, I don't know. So therefore God, but there are plenty of people that do. And I think that a lot of people get this sense of people using God of the gaps a lot because of the fact that we've used God to, explain things in the past that have later turned out to be natural explanations. Like I brought up in my opening statement, lightning, we used to attribute that to God in various religions, not just one religion, but, you know, we used to think that that was God somehow, you know, doing something in our reality. And then we come to find out that there's all these natural properties that, uh, uh, that, that cause lightning and thunder to happen. And so I, I think that, the, the fact that just attributing something to God is sort of thought stopping. Like it, 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 mm -hmm. like it, it's kind of, it gets you to a final answer before you can actually really investigate any kind of natural explanation for it. It's just that I feel like some people get that impression on occasion, but I didn't get that impression from you here tonight. I totally agree that people can make God of the gaps arguments. I'm not saying no theists do this. There's plenty of theists that are guilty of this. I'm just trying to avoid those. I'm saying let's compare the different hypotheses about the foundation and what seems most consistent. So I appreciate that, John. So, yeah. All right. No, that was a um, great exchange. And I, I think mm -hmm. that Skip the Clown is just one giant um, God of the gaps argument. That is true. <laughs> Proven. Hey, would God do a uh, 900 over the gap that he supposedly is, uh, you know, you know, like the 900, the trick on a skateboard. I could totally see God oh. doing a sick trick over the gap. <laughs> Bro, that's just way over my head. I knew nothing about skateboarding. Uh, <laughs> before I bring up the, the results here, uh, uh, I played this for the guys backstage, but uh, everyone here, if you know who Darth Dawkins is, uh, I, I found the, the gem of all gems. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll end it with this before the results. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. I'm suing you. You're welcome. I'm suing the atheist roundtable for playing that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually make one of those numbers. Like, have you or a loved one been harmed by the clip played on the atheist roundtable? <laughs> in reference to that, I yeah. literally was gonna say I found my new ringtone, but we're, we're apparently on opposite sides. We're on opposites. We well, are on opposite. You're gonna lose because we have great lawyers. They're good at making things go away. If you know what I mean. um, all right, here we go. Okay. Can you see that? Do I need to? Probably uh, minimize that a little bit so it shrinks. I checked, but I didn't vote. So. Nor did I. So let me update this. All right, we got uh, seventy-six percent to twenty-four percent, and that is from the uh, from the chat. 
and the champ retains his title. No, the title was one line, but, uh, <laughs> but thank you guys, uh, everybody was hanging out in the chat with us, and uh, we're um, we're attempting or trying to find new new things or get you guys involved, and also, like I said, at the top of the show, it not just come down to myself or whoever the hosts are. Uh, the way it's, there's a little more, um, uh, it's more fair. Is that what I'm going to call it? Uh, where it's not, not just me making the decision. So, uh, but thank you guys uh, for uh, a great debate. And uh, I know, I know Zach, you got some things to take care of. So I'll let, uh, let you go first one more time. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, you can just check out uh, the Here in Politics YouTube channel. Lots of conversations with great like philosophers, um, biblical studies majors, scientists, all these things. Um, so check out the YouTube channel at Here in Apologetics, where there's all these great conversations. And sometimes I'll host a debate of my own. Um, John's debated on my channel a couple of times. It's pretty fun. Um, and then you can also check out the Here in Apologetics podcast, which is all the things that are on YouTube, basically, but without the um, video. So you can check that out anywhere you get your podcast. So, yeah, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Zach, as always. Uh Yep. And then uh, Godless Engineer, the reigning champion. Well, I, I do want to say that I, I don't put much stock in a, after debate polls. I, I mean, I'm I'm glad that most of the audience is with me, but at the same time, I think that Zach did a pretty good job tonight of arguing his position. So I, I just implore everybody to really listen to the debates and and then you know make your own decision. Don't don't rely on straw polls or anything like that. But I do want to tell you guys to come to my channel. We discuss stuff like does God exist or or does Jesus exist or anything like that over on my channel on Godless Engineer here on YouTube? Uh, also, search up any social media and uh, find to find Godless Engineer, and I'll be right there. I do have a Crestus app, um, an app in the uh, app stores called Crestus. Uh, if you want to go and check that out, if you're really interested in early Christian history as well as the question whether or not Jesus existed, uh, the question of whether or not Jesus existed, then definitely check out the app. Um, it is a pay app. But it's relatively cheap compared to, you know, what you would pay for all of the books that I use to generate information for the app. So if you want to get into the conversation, that's a really great uh, place to start. Um, so go check that out. Download it. Let me know what you think. And um, I guess that I'll see you guys over on my channel. Oh, tomorrow night I am doing a uh, uh, The Line, uh, which is a call-in show. Um, so if you want to search up The Line here on YouTube, you can go there. And um, I'll be hosting it with Prophet Azad, and we're going to get into discussions about uh, God, Jesus, uh, you know, existence, I guess, maybe. Uh, who knows? But uh, we'll see. So join me over there uh, next uh, tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And then uh, Shane, the skeptic, what you, man? What are my thoughts? on? Well, honestly, I think Zach put up one of the best performances uh for his argument that I've seen, uh, he did a great job. Um, like I said earlier, when uh, when I heard him making some of his arguments, I even stopped and asked him uh, in the closing. I was like, you know, have you read this book, uh, Meditation on Philosophy by Descartes? Because it seemed like he was familiar with these arguments. Like, it seems like he's pretty well read on everything he was talking about. And I uh, I admire that. And um, yeah, I will say that I do think Godless Engineer uh, was able to uh, defend against these arguments and kind of, um, you know, make the case for his position really well at the same time. So, um, like I said, I didn't vote because I do have sort of a bias. You know, I do agree with Godless Engineer. Um, but I, you know, I will say while I, you know, personally feel like, yeah, I'm still, uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. 
Um, Zach did a great job. Yep, and, and and I agree. And the the voting, uh, what GE said was uh, was perfect because the the voting is more for the fun and entertainment part of what we do. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I I definitely wasn't trying to downplay the 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 fun and entertainment of voting. I just I just uh, I didn't want people to think, oh, GE won this debate because <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it was a great discussion, regardless of who is considered to be the winner. I just really appreciate having the discussion. Although I definitely won the UDC championship. <laughs> I definitely do. I can't dispute that. I do I do appreciate like these debates aren't even though John has this amazing belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not about winning or losing. It's about exchanging ideas and seeking truth and hopefully everyone listening got something new they yeah. can think about when they go to bed tonight so, and i do yeah. feel like the poll is always it's always just like a good inference like a good observation to make because it's always like okay um, among the people who are watching what do they think but you know uh when you consider the fact that it's like a predominantly atheist uh viewership most likely because it's the atheist roundtable and he, he was mm -hmm. able to get what was it like 30 percent um, that is actually a considerably high number in consideration of that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and it's also, like you said, um, it doesn't, it doesn't prove who's right. You know, like if, mm -hmm. if, uh, T jump got that one more vote than I did in the last debate, that wouldn't mean therefore morality is objective and me getting one more vote than he did doesn't mean therefore it's subjective. It's just an interesting inference to make based on, you know, who's watching, what are they thinking? Yeah. And it, and to, yeah, to follow up on that, because uh, I, I agree, uh, I actually wanted to underline, um, you put an exclamation mark on what uh, what G said, because it, it, that, that is for the fun. But the, the most important thing is listening to the arguments. What can you learn? What can you take away from it? Uh, exchanging yeah. ideas, you know, um, things like that. So we never want to lose sight of that. Um, but we also, uh, familiar with Tart, you know, we're going to put some type of either satirical or comedy spin or, you know, something uh, to, you know, put our seasoning and flavor on it but no great uh great job guys and then uh shane if you want to tell everybody uh, how to find you real quick yeah, you can find me just search the name that you see on the screen shane the skeptic you can find me on youtube or on facebook perfect and then last but definitely not least the walking god of the gaps argument skids the clown that's me <laughs> where can they find me where can they find you they can find me right here on the Atheist Network Group. Um, my show will be premiering on May 13th, which is a Thursday, called Faith Not Included, which is a comedy show in the tart flavor, as we discussed. Um, just kind of debunking and, and having a lot of fun with just a lot of wild conspiracy theories, uh, claims of the Bible, claims of, of different things. And yeah, hopefully you all enjoy it. Awesome. And uh, last thing for us, and we'll get off here. Uh, do not forget to, at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern uh, tonight, go to Pasta Mike's pitch that is normalizing atheism. And I'll put that in the chat for you real quick. He's going to be having a, a conversation uh, with um, Dan. Uh, he's a Christian friend of ours, so they'll be chopping it up. And then at, I believe at 11.15, Amy Newman's going live. Uh, so make sure you go check them out. And I think that's it. So, again, you guys, thanks for a great debate. Shane, uh, great job tonight. Thank you, everybody that's been in the chat, hanging out with us. You guys are awesome. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Thank you.
ifs, ands, and maybes. You better be able to take it on the chin. Yeah, yeah, who's gonna win? You better bring your pride. Mike Tice, quite nice on fight night. And just know this. Nobody do it quite like we do it on fight night. 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 Fight night.